Are you ready? It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th through the 31st. Blurds, nerds, and geeks from across the universe will converge on the capital city to see celebrity guests such as The Last Dragon, Tybok, Megan Tandy, and voice actor Dave Fenoy. Hey, how you doing? I'm voice actor Dave Fenoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know I'm going to be there and I want to meet you at the Urban NerdCon Gaming and Cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you. So join us by visiting TheUrbanNerdCon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. TheUrbanNerdCon.net Our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. Hello and welcome to another edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. I'm Brian Fulford. That's A.D. Drew. And next to him, if you're going left or right, is Jamie Walker. Jamie Walker joining us on today's show. Uh, Drew, Jamie, how you fellas doing? I am doing wonderful, man. How are you all? Doing great, my brother. Doing great. You know, you know, Jamie, I'm just put you on blast. You know, you got that question all throughout media day. When, where, where was your show? When were you going to be on the air board? Everything like that. Well, brother, this may not be your show, but you always got a seat right there to my to my right, your left, I guess. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, sir. I appreciate it tremendously. You know, I, I love being on with you all. Y'all, y'all brothers have always kept it real. So, hey, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm always, you know, willing to come through. Appreciate you. I uh, appreciate you joining us. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to uh, still take in everything from the past week, uh, from, you know, from the past few days, really just doing a lot of catch up as, you know, I'm just kind of going through. And I've been watching videos, still catching up because there were so many, you know, that's the thing. Nobody, 
uh, at least nothing that I processed early. When you have something something like 200 media members, so many different content creators have stuff out there. So I'm trying. To, I'm still parsing through different clips, and everybody's dicing it up differently, which is what I like. You know, there's the YouTube videos, there's the YouTube shorts, there's stuff that's popping up on uh, Facebook stuff popping up on Twitter. So the content is, I, I think we're still going to be digesting this meal for about a whole nother week. Uh, I, I mean, and I, cause like I said, I, I keep coming across something new every time and I'm, I'm, st- and then there's the media guides and thing. I don't know what, what's it been like for you, Jamie, in terms of processing things over the last, uh, three days, three, four days. Um, difficult to some degree. I think you have, um, you have a lot, uh, when it comes to the outline of teams already there, but along with that, you have, um, situations where, where the transfer portal is in place. And so you have a lot of, you know, chain of, of, positions and changes of coaching staffs and things of that nature. So I think when you look at the ways that um, teams are kind of being restructured in this new, you know, form of, um, uh, uh, of how college football is kind of going. Yeah. You, you better do your studying and research because you never know who's in what position. So I think it's been um, hard, but fun. It's kind of like NFL free agency in certain senses uh, being that, you're seeing where new players are on when it comes to new teams and just how they fit on um, fit within that squad. So, yeah, it's been interesting. Definitely interesting. I wouldn't call it any harder, but definitely more um, more layers to the puzzle. Right, right. And, and Drew, I mean, my goodness, man, you you covered you covered the CIAA and SWAG back to back days. I think I saw one of your posts. You said something like what three airports in two nights or. Or something, two hotels, three airports something in one like day. that. Oh, three, three airports, airports in, in one day. day. Yes, three airports in one day. Uh, let's see, two media days in two two different cities and states, two different regions of the country. Uh, I'll drive, what, drive to the airport, uh, Uber rides, drive, uh, drive from one airport to Birmingham, flew, flew out of Atlanta to uh, – Roanoke, Virginia, flew back to Atlanta, then drove to Birmingham all in the same day. So, uh, yeah, you, y'all wonder why I didn't, uh, w- wasn't really uh, talking to you when I got to Birmingham that night. It's because I had been up since 3 o'clock that morning, and I was on hour 22 by the time I got to Birmingham. Mm-mm. <laughs> well, hey, thankfully, though, we had uh, we had enough people there so that everybody could get a piece of it. I mean, look, they had, they had 12 schools show up. We almost had 12, uh, 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 hosts. So look, we, we had every, I think everybody had about two schools. So it kind of, it kind of parsed out, even up the work, you know? So I don't think anyone really had to do a whole lot of extra work. You know, I think I may have started the show, uh, in the beginning and really, you know, after Took that, about two uh, hours away from the set. 
I did. I kind of was away for like an hour and a half, man. I don't know. I, it's not like I went and went. Uh, trust me, I did not go uh, sneak off and go to sleep. I wasn't eating, wasn't drinking <laughs> coffee, wasn't in the ba- wasn't in the bathroom. I, I actually <laughs> ended up, you know, just in the main stage area, kind of watching a little bit. I think I watched uh, FAMU and Grambling on the stage. Had some good conversations with a few people uh, that were in. And, uh, you know, so, and then by the time it was like, hey, Brian, you know, we're looking for you. And it's like, oh, really? I, so I, it's just one of those things. It was good to kind of be able to get away and, and do that. And I, you know, so I, I still didn't get a chance to talk to everybody that I wanted to, but, you know, it's going to be like that. Um, let me ask you, well, first off, before we, before we, uh, before I ask my next question, let me, let me go through the uh, usual intros. Uh, I want to say hello to everybody watching us on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, happy Sunday. Uh, to everybody, Mary 305, Swag Fan 100 out there jumping in early on YouTube. Those on Facebook who are watching, we appreciate appreciate you coming in. If you're watching us, please make sure to like, give a thumbs up, subscribe to the Black College Sports Network, or however you are watching this feed. Please make sure you're following us on all social media accounts. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at MyBCSN1, the number one. And go download the Jericho Broadcast Networks app on the Google and Apple Play Store. My JBN, MyBCSN is where you can find it. Um, all of our shows will be up on podcast format via the BCSN Pod Zone, which is everywhere you listen and download podcasts. So coming up a little bit later in the show, we've got LaShanda Love from the Icon Collective and Yard Talk HBCU. She'll be coming on. I, uh, the, I love, I was watching her show the other day, and she calls, I think I'm saying this right, um, the mouth on Twitter. I think it's something like, I think it's something like that that she she glossed herself, or maybe somebody glossed her that. I, I'm not really sure. But uh, I, I love that, by the way. And so she's going to be joining us here at the bottom of the hour, hour two. Chris Ferguson, D2Football.com, also writes stories for HBCU Game Day. He will come in at the top of the order, uh, top of the hour, and talk to us a little bit about CIAA Media Day, preseason CIAA, and then at the bottom of hour two, uh, Charles Edmond, Alcorn State Sports Radio, will come in. Of course, he got a chance to talk to every. I think he said he spoke to eleven of the twelve coaches. So, you know, Charles is a veteran, and we'll get a chance to all talk with him. All right, so that's the guest lineup for today's show, fellas. But let me ask you guys this question. And it will it, it will come up a little bit later because Charles and I were having this discussion offline. With the number of media that were there and the format, apparently the ESPN broadcast started late. I didn't even know that. Apparently, it started about 20 minutes behind schedule. And so it kind of threw everybody's timing off. And some people were there a long time. Do you think it's time to for the SWAC to rethink the format of the way this media day is? Meaning, could it be possibly time for a two-day? Is it possibly time to do two different shifts maybe a morning shift and an afternoon shift what are your guys thoughts on that uh you know whoever wants to jump in there first and 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 have some thoughts or comments on on that well 
if you go to a two-day format, and this is a legitimate question, and I think all of the uh, coaches and athletic directors, will there be teams favored more than others, and you will have a, you know, a hundred media one day and two fifty on a, on a different day. This year, we all know the swag. <clears throat> Excuse me, the swag East is the hot side of the swag. But you know, down the line, it may it, it may be the swag West. Well, let's think about it. You've got you've got Coach Prime. Enough said, right there. I got Hugh Jackson got, on Grambling. I'm gonna counter you. Everyone, every, every, everyone you go, I'm gonna counter it. You got I got Hugh Jackson got, on the other you side. Got go the ahead. First, you you you've got the first SWAC team to make the FCS playoffs in 20 years. Um, okay. On the okay. east side. I, I've got you gonna counter okay. that with. I, I've got I've got Southern. I've got uh, Dooley going back home. I've got Southern, the brand. All right, you've got Connor, the personality of Connell Maynard, just the personality um, itself, in addition to the success. I've got uh, Eddie Eddie Robinson Jr. He's an interesting personality. Eastside, he's not quite Connell. Eastside, Eastside. Oh, let's see. Um, let me see. Let me see. <laughs> Uh, let's see, Clarence McKinney, no, Vincent Dan, Vincent Dancy, maybe Bubba McDowell. I didn't hear anything from Bubba McDowell. All right. Go ahead. I'm listening. <laughs> but Connell was real Connell was real quiet. He was he wasn't really talkative. He was real humble, I thought. He was real quiet. Um, I don't know, but but go ahead. But 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 you have to say what I'm saying. So you gotta figure if is there gonna be one side or the other. What I would like to see though, maybe to possibly speed the process up, maybe the SEC style with the press conference style media day where the coach comes, they they do their interviews, do their address, and then they do a press conference because how many times did those coaches have to answer the same question in every interview? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, how many times did those players have to answer the same question in every interview? So maybe – What's the season looking that, like if, for you this year? Yeah, if you do that and get those generic questions out of the way, then you can spend your five, ten minutes, how many, how many, whatever time they allot you with the coach or the player getting into some specific questions and, and not getting the general. Hey, how does it feel for you to be chosen as one of the uh, players here uh, at the SIA's, at the uh, SWAC Media Day? Uh Coach, what's your what's your outlook on the season? Uh, you know those general type questions. Get those out in the press conference portion of the media day, and then maybe that allow more time for everybody to touch. But here's the other thing, Brian, and I'm gonna let Jamie chime in on this. I think the SWAC media day may have outgrown the venue that it's in. That may be more of an issue. Than anything else right now. Hmm. Uh, Jamie, what are, what are your thoughts on that? On any any of those uh, points that I or Drew brought up? I think that they could extend the day. I, I don't think they need to be in two day two days yet, um, because for a lot of reasons, 
Uh, I want to see what the SWAC Media Day will be once certain coaches are not in place anymore. Uh, I think, you know, it, it's like it is. The media has grown due to um, the celebrity status of a couple of squads. And so I think as popularity grows, not to say that the popularity of the SWAC will uh, will leave, but I also think that um, extending the day maybe to three, uh, maybe to three o'clock, uh, or or you know even more if you need to, and the format change would um, would aid in it. I think that's a great idea as far as the opening presser or opening statements by the head coaches um, initially uh, would would be you know a help. I think the question and answer um, section. Um, of that could be refined because that's what really what was falling behind. Um, but I would also like to see what makes the SWAT great involved in its media day. Uh, I want some of that pageantry of HBCU athletics to be involved in it as well. Um, because I think you don't have to be like everyone else, but I do think it would help to maybe, you know, switch it up a little bit, um, you know, feature our programs. And I think it's a good way to actually, um, highlight some of the great things about the squads as well, not just, you know, question and answer section, you know, because you're always going to get coach speak. You know, all three of us have been involved in in having to answer questions about sport at some point, um, even, you know, involved being involved in coaching, regardless of what level it's on. So I think you're going to give, you're never going to give too much. Um, you have those that are vocal, which is cool, but you know, primarily you're going to get coach speak. Um, so I think, you know, media that comes up and does their research and asks these, you know, questions that the people really want to know instead of them um, being involved in, you know, other things. I think you can switch up that format to kind of get um, more, uh, more just authentic answers involved. So it doesn't have to be the, the same kind of media day that the SEC or any other, you know, conference would be. So I think, you know, hey, try, try some different things. Yeah. I'll tell you why I'm a advocate of extending the day. And I think I said this after last year, extending the day where you have a nine to 12 shift for one division and East gives you that opportunity to really focus in on, like you said, those pressers so that you can have those press conferences. And then really, because remember you're working with not only print media, radio, radio, TV, Digital. and then you've got the photojournalism. You know, you got the photojournalist there as well, uh, doing That's static point. photos. So I, I think in having the the three hour window for a one particular division really puts more emphasis and and gives everybody a chance to kind of consume that division without having to try to catch this person, catch that person so on and so forth and then you're not shuffling around um i'm 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 here and then and then here what you do is at noon you get the break for lunch uh because by the time grambling got to us i was told they hadn't eaten and it was probably 1 30 maybe going into two o'clock by the time grambling got to us so it was like yo you guys didn't eat how did how did grambling not eat um you know i get it if media don't eat but there were a lot of media eating but anyway, I understand that the media, <laughs> media was the eat. first to eat. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, no, no, I'm not gonna judge. I'm not gonna judge nobody for, hey, for hey, hey, to go get a, Jay, 
Jamie, what I what I tell y'all tell you when I saw the food was in there? Hey man, you say you better go ahead in there, man. It's about to, you're about to run. You're about to take it up. It's like, whoa! It's, it I was, was working. It, I was it, interviewing it, folks. It, it was too many of us around there. I was like, you better go get something now before it's gone, brother. Yeah. See, last year, see, last year I didn't eat anything, and uh, so I, when I saw, when I saw, so when I saw Drew eating, I said, oh hell, I, I said, hold on, let me, <laughs> let me and, and tell. If, and if y'all know anything about Drew, I may be slim. But I'm gonna find me a plate. Yeah. So I, 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 unfortunately, I had somebody grab me a plate and send it to the side, and I think I did eat it maybe about thirty, forty minutes later. So I, I was thankful for that. But, but yeah, no, no team should, no group of players, coaches, you mean they should not have gone that period of time without eating. Now somebody may say, "Oh, that's bad on them. They should have figured that out." But you know, look, that's what if in a in a format change. When you get uh, the twelve to maybe twelve forty-five, you give you give them time to eat all the teams because let's say the the one division that's finishing has time to eat the team the division that's about to start at one they've got time to come in and eat before they start right so now you start at one o'clock one o'clock here we go session number two begins so that's going to run from one to four o'clock and you know look you're done. Now, you know, I mean, um, it, it also give us in the media time to refresh also, because that's a yes. that's a that's a tiring day having to go around and you got to have someone's got to chase down people for for interviews. Uh, you got to make sure that we got people. Now, we were lucky there were there were double digits of us on our team. There was about 12 of us on the on the uh BCSN team that was there probably I'm probably short on that number Brian if I'm really counting probably closer to 15 of us when you're talking about cameras and uh, runners and this and that and everything like that but we probably had one of the largest presence of media groups there I, I, I would say from a, from a from a group perspective yeah you're, you're probably from, right especially on the probably digital right. side right right and, you know, I was funny as, as I'm watching and again, I'm going back and I'm watching how other people do their feeds because every year is a growth experience. You know, I think we changed our style of what we did from last year to this year um, by by kind of doing it the way we did. And I, and I like it. And I think there's even some other things I think we 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 could have done. But I, I think in that format space, like I'm, a, I'm really amazed. Like I saw people getting uh, time at the tables. I've seen some video clips from the table. It's just, I know there's a schedule. It just is really challenging. So I'll be interested to hear what the SIDs go back to Andrew Roberts, the uh, associate vice of, uh, or the associate, uh, I, I, forgot, I forgot his new title. Um, uh, he's the associate the, commissioner he's for something. Thank you. Uh, the communications, I think it is. Yeah, I wanted to say associate. I couldn't quite figure out the the next part of that. But um, and he yeah, did. I mean, and he that, that brother did a great job too, uh, putting everything together. Because I didn't get to the hotel until twelve thirty local time, and this brother was still running around setting this up, setting that up. Hey, you need anything, AD? Uh, uh, oh yeah, he was. He, he took care of everybody. Like, there, I, 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 I know. 
I know that brother probably didn't get to bed after two o'clock, and I know he and I know he was up by seven. Up well, look, downstairs in downstairs by seven. Hey, in that role, that's your event. You know what I'm saying? So you want everything, you know, you run events, Drew, Jamie, you've run, you've done events. Uh, you, you know, when it's your thing, that's his thing. That's media day. Dr. McClellan probably went, Hey, Andrew, this is your thing, baby. Make it happen. What do you need from me? Let me know. Who do I need if, to give you to make it work? If I don't talk to you, it's a good thing. That means there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong <laughs> at my level. Probably, probably <laughs> right. So props to, uh, Andrew Roberts, uh, for for everything he did and set up and and still you know got things released uh, such as the uh, all conference uh, awards and the predictions and all that stuff. So um, shout out shout out to uh, Mr. Roberts there. But uh, yeah, I'll be interested to kind of hear feedback from from some of the other shows later this week if anybody gets into those discussions uh, regarding regarding the formatting. Um, and again. I'm still going through stuff. So uh, let, as you've gone back and listened, any sound bites? I, m- I remember during the show, we were talking about viral moments. Remember, we talked about with it, would there be any viral moments from out of Slack Media Day? I already have one. I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> you got one. I, J- Jamie, uh, Drew, any viral, let you go first, any viral moments that any viral moments that you captured from Slack Media Day? Not that I picked up right away, um, because we all, you know, you and I both um, did SIAC Media Day. And, you know, when it came to Coach Willie Slater, it was um, (laughs) a lot going on. So you caught that immediately. You caught all the, you know, he didn't just throw shade. He threw the entire tree. But um, yes, he did. um, yes, my but 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 I didn't catch any. No, yeah, he did. Oh, yes. I'm. I, in fact, I want to be at that game. But um, um, not immediately. Uh, I'm still going back and listening to to certain stuff from um, Swag Media Day. But I didn't get any right offhand. The one that I picked up on, I did not pick up on until the next day, and it was not. It was not something that was said on our airwaves. It was the comment about Bethune, Jackson State, and why the game was moved oh, from ding, ding, uh, ding. why the game was moved from Jacksonville, excuse me, from Daytona to Jacksonville. Our fans not going to travel there. Blah, blah, blah. So indirectly, he took a shot at his own fans, like, "Hey, y'all, not, y'all, y'all follow us when it's convenient." This is this may not be convenient because I don't know how much a, a flight from Jackson, Mississippi, to Jacksonville, Florida, is. But that's that's not it's an it's an easy ride once you get to I ten. But you talk about a long boring ride. That is definitely a long boring ride down I ten <laughs> from, from uh, Jackson. And I don't think you go fifty five to ten, but 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 maybe you do. And then. What but the whole average of five thousand fans, you know, and, and and I think for me, from where I sit, I think it's the fact that Dion is afraid that he's going to play in front of an empty house in in Jacksonville, where 
what's the name of uh Bethune Stadium? I can't think of the name of it, but it holds well, like 9500 Stadium in Daytona And it holds Beach, about 90 it holds about 9500 9, 9, Right. Yeah. And I understand what Prime was saying. I'd rather see that 9500 stadium full than that same 9500 people in a 60,000 seat stadium. You're going to be looking like Tennessee State over there. It's the, you know, like when Tennessee State plays at Nissan Stadium instead of Hale Stadium. Well, look, I, I'm going. I got the audio because I pulled up the tweet. Okay, and this comes from. I hope I'm saying the name right. Uh, Jamal Saint Cyr. Uh, he's a sports anchor for WZXT4, which is in. Uh, it's in the Jacksonville area of uh, News Four Jacksonville. Uh, they cover uh, Northeast Florida and Southeast Georgia. Okay. So this is from his feed. I'm assuming this is him who asked it. I'm curious as if it's going to play, but in the Twitter feed, in the tweet, it says Deion Sanders is not happy about the decision to move the Jackson state versus Bethune Cookman game to TIAA bank field. Sanders says, quote, why are we playing in an NFL stadium? I'm going to play the audio here and and, uh, just, I'm going to let you just marinate on it for a second. Let me see if it plays accurately here. We can't hear the audio. Okay, so the audio is not playing. Okay. Hey, hey, hey okay. Brian, uh, I think I I've will, got I'll this. See we'll, if... do bro- we'll do it after – we'll do it sometime okay. during one of these breaks because we've yeah. got our guests waiting so... in the uh, lobby. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we'll we'll play that because uh, yeah, our next guest she she even uh, had threw a little threw a little salt and pepper on the uh, on on this particular uh, quote. So she al- kind of she always throwing up trouble on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, she, I I'm gonna go back and get it. She she dumped she glossed herself the mouth on Twitter. I think that's how she did it. So coming up after the break, we will talk with. The one and only Lashanda Love at Yard Talk HBCU. Yard Talk, big talk. She talks it, boy, and she walks it too. So uh, it's a pleasure to have her on coming up after the break. And we'll get into talking about if Drew's able to pull it up. You let me know if you need me to send you the. I, that think, I, link. I think I sent it to you. Yeah, you pro- actually you did, and I had already <laughs> seen it. So you have it. Right. So maybe we can come in, and after the break, we'll start there, and we'll come back with Lashanda Love right on the other side right after this break. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian, AD, and Jamie Walker. We'll be back in just a moment. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way. You consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. 
Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Nope. Nope. Want him? Ooh, I like him. Quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. It's like a loot machine. That's a pretty tight spot. Watch this. Of course your beard works itself. That's so you. It's just up here on the right. Of course you know where we're going. That's so you. Kinda got a sixth sense. And a head-up display. They're here. Hit the field, warm up. You brought all these players in your Buick? Yeah. So you. It is. There's a Buick that fits your life. Because at the heart of every Buick SUV is you. You see, Head & Shoulders has Scout Shield technology. Protects against flakes, even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working! I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders Scout Shield. Never not working. Are you ready? It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th to the 31st. Blurds, nerds, and geeks from across the universe converge on the capital city to see celebrity guests such as The Last Dragon, Tybok, Megan Tandy, and voice actor Dave Fenoy. Hey, how you doing? I'm voice actor Dave Fenoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know I'm going to be there and I want to meet you at the Urban Nerd Con Gaming and Cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you. So join us by visiting TheUrbanNerdCon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. TheUrbanNerdCon.net. Our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford, A.D. Drew, Jamie Walker, and joining us right now, affectionately known by some people out there in the Twitterverse as the loud voice on Twitter, it's LaShanda Love of the Icon Collective, as well as at Yard Talk HBCU on Twitter and on YouTube. LaShanda, how are you doing? Hey, y'all. Thank you for having me back because I know I snuck up the place last time. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> no, y'all remember, I, I was, listen, My uh, it had got dark, but when we started, it was like 5.30ish, and I was so afraid to move and turn the light on <laughs> that I just sitting here. <laughs> <in the back. laughs> 
Now I remember. I I do remember that. There there, there were people like, hey, man, tell her to cut the lights on, man. (laughs) We can't see her. At that point, it became just an audio thing there. Uh, But no, it was radio interview. Exactly. It was still good. For the the people on podcast, it was still good. So, uh, Lashanda, let's, uh, let's first go into talking about how you consumed. Swack Media Day. Let's let's start there. You were just kind of telling us offline your whole setup, but but let us know how you consumed that day. Well, I had the HBCU League Pass Plus uh, app on my TV because you know I'm always talking about support Black owned media, so I had that up on on your channel uh, BCSN, and then I had to watch uh, ESPN from my phone and. Uh, I had my brother let me use his login for that because I ain't got that. <laughs> we we understand a lot of people face those kind of challenges. Uh, <laughs> that's why that, that's why Netflix is getting ready to go out of business because of people like you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, we like prices, so you, Yeah, right. Um, so you had so between watching HBCU League Pass plus. Uh, watching um, the ESPN kind of mixing, and then you're following a course on social media. Um, give give us maybe a couple of takeaways from Media Day, maybe some nuggets that because you you're one of the things I love about following you. You're very good about picking out uh, certain things in the phrasing or terminology or the words that people say. Sometimes people don't listen. People just, you know, they just they just read and then they and then they stop comprehending. But you you do a good job of picking up on things as they're being said. So what's a couple of things you may have picked up? Um the formatting of I, I was trying to figure out because I, I thought actually the commissioner would go last and the coaches would go first. Um, because I know that that kind of would have kept people more engaged because everybody was waiting to hear from the commissioner. So it's kind of like when he went first and it was just kind of like, okay, then what's next? So I would have liked to maybe build up the anticipation for him to go last and then maybe have an open forum. Uh, I liked how I, I, I saw some clips from the, and I hate to use this comparison because I know we hate it from the SEC day. Okay, just let that be okay. And they had open forum and they asked the commissioners, I mean, and the coaches questions and stuff like that. So I would have liked to see more fan interaction. And that's just me being a teacher. I know that uh, engagement is very important for your audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jamie. Well, Miss Love, um, ever since she has come on the scene, um, has been a breath of fresh air to really uh, this HBCU space. And the reason I say that is because um, anybody that challenges the status quo is always invited and should be um, noted. Um, She pushes Black-owned businesses, Black-owned media space, and I love it. Uh, It's one of those things, uh, and one of the sayings I get from her all the time is make it plain. Make it plain. Like, like clearly what, what you're saying, what you're doing. All right. Tell me how you're doing it. So she pushes the envelope in relation to to definitely um, figuring out um, how we are moving monetarily, especially in these HBCU spaces. So my question for her is. 
what would you want to see us do differently? What would be the priority? Because I know on your page, a lot of the times you have what we can do just in everyday spaces to get the notoriety to our programs. What would, what's the first thing you would do to change how we do business in the HBCU space? Well, just, I don't feel like that black businesses have a seat at the table yet. It's like anytime a black business comes along and says, hey, I have a better idea or a better way to do something, we automatically dismiss it. Like, why was our thing on H- I mean, uh, ESPN? Was it? Did we get any kind of sponsorship dollars for that? Uh, are we getting paid to, for our content? Do we own it? What can we do with it now? Um, somebody made the comment that they didn't see any um, any ESPN marketing stuff anywhere. And I thought that was kind of strange because if this is an ESPN event, then, you know, you would assume that it's being sponsored by them. But it was just not very clear on that. So to me, I just think that us being willing to accept new ideas is very important because I don't it's like there are little cracks but we still very reluctant to work for, I mean, work with us. And it's so strange to me because HBCU, the B stands for black, you would think more of our business practices would be um, more geared towards circulating the black dollars within our own communities. But it, it doesn't seem like to me that that's the case. And I, and, and quite honestly, it was very disappointing to see so many of our games on ESPN this year, because where has all this energy been to show our game? Now, now you snatched up games. What'd you say? To hell with the energy. I want the dollars. Thank you. Thank you. Where, where's <laughs> the money that comes with that? I think at, at least, at least every school has about four or five games. Who do you think is making the most money off of that? The schools? Or ESPN, is there ad revenue sharing? I don't know. And I feel like that's some of the stuff that I don't even think we are abreast of that yet. When it comes, especially that media space, it's kind of new for us. We kind of just have went along with whoever gives us an offer because we're stuck in this exposure trap. We don't realize we don't need people to know we exist. (laughs) Outstanding. And and I'll ask one follow-up if, if, um, if allowed, um, just, just primarily, we talked about that exposure piece. Uh, I think you and me saw the same comment when it came to $185 million of exposure equivalency. I want you to elaborate on just how that made you feel seeing that in particular. Who Cause said I know that? First off, what, who said it? It was in the USA Today. Um, okay. I think it was A.D. Robinson that um, got the data and kind of put it out there that that, that is what they what the school had generated since Coach Prime had been there. And and we've so, always talked about just how how much, you know, are we beyond the exposure trap at this point and how much we need to turn these into real dollars? Um, so, so they already have you know, data for the dollars. They already know what we're supposed to be getting paid. It's just us. Uh, it's up to us to be able to know that 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 exists. And I don't think that we stood that particular part. 
Well, hold on. Are we are we debating or arguing or questioning that one eighty five is? Are we saying that should be tangible? Is that because we we have we got to understand that in the? I, I if what and I didn't hear the quote. So even Drew back me up here from a business perspective as it relates to marketing dollars. That uh, if what Robinson is saying is that they've been able to generate what one hundred eighty five million dollars in marketing value is that is that what he's saying what what is what is he is that what what's Brian, being said here not, that, not that, office, the nerd of me to come out now the economist please, to come out. please that's what that's uh, what i was trying to get you just, to do <laughs> just like you know when you see these nfl teams or mlb teams when they talk about these new stadiums and they talk mm-hmm. about economic impact yeah. Uh this mm-hmm. this this project is going to have a 100 million dollar economic impact on this community uh what wh- whatever it is. Those numbers are artificial. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some things you could you could directly measure. Some things you cannot. Something that you could directly measure on a given weekend. We we'll, we we'll just say homecoming weekend. We could directly measure the impact of homecoming in sales tax. A normal weekend, uh, this company uh, pays, say, $50,000 in sales tax. This particular weekend, their sales tax increases to $75,000. Well, that's directly measurable. That's a $25,000 impact that you can equate to homecomings not necessarily 100 of it all of it is due to homecoming mm-hmm. but that but that there's a good measure you see so you can measure things like sales tax uh hotel hotel tax say things those things those are tangible things things that are bought and sold are things that can be measured and that increase is that economic impact now uh there are certain things that you cannot measure. Those eye, those eyeballs that are watching you on TV. How many eyeballs are really watching you on TV? How many eyeballs watch this weekend versus a different weekend? Those eyeballs equate to how many ad dollars for that ad agency. Mm-hmm. And and we and Brian, you know how how these ads how these ad dollars work. So that's a different impact. But do you see that impact as a consumer? Do you see that impact? No. That ad agency and those people see that impact. But there's a way that mm-hmm. they could be measured. If we do that, you got one penny or point one penny per click or per viewer or whatever the case is. That's part of the 185, but that 185 has that portion of that 185 has nothing to do with Jackson State. And there are different mm-hmm. measurables throughout that have that. The thing is, how much of that is Jackson State really seeing? Jackson State has an economic impact. They got to pay police officers overtime. They got to pay uh, mm-hmm. the people who cook the food overtime and everything else. They've got to pay them overtime. That's a measurable thing. That's part of that 185. But Jackson State not benefiting from that because they send that money right back out the door because they got to have it. 
They got to have police people. They got to have people doing uh, parking. They got to have uh, people doing the uh, doing the cooking in the concession stand. Somebody got to make sure that the uh, stadium is clean afterwards and stuff. So, yeah, that number may or may not be true. But everybody, please understand, Jackson State has not seen $185 million because of Coach Prime. Oh, no. No, Drew. Nobody, that nobody, nobody. <laughs> but, the, but there are people who are out there who see, see, there are people who are out there thinking they got $185 million. Why aren't they spending that $185 million to help these kids? No, Jackson State does not have that $185 million. They have, they have generated things. Look, we all educators here, correct? All of us work in somebody's school system. What is our value? We teach hmm. these kids. We teach these kids. They make they pay us forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. But what is our economic impact? Well, our economic impact is the fact of us giving this education to these kids, and they go out and make a make a job. Well, that that kid who I taught five years ago, who's making forty thousand dollars right now, that's part of my economic impact. But has Coach Drew seen any of that forty thousand dollars? Hell no, absolutely not. <laughs> but that's part of my economic impact, right? That's the point, right? We got to get more control of these things. We got to be our schools got to be making the most money in these deals. We can't let them run off with the hundred and eighty-five million dollars, and we still trying to figure out how we gonna do this and that. And other worried about uh, travel costs and stuff like that. I think that was the whole point of like me posting it and saying, look, guys, we having this argument about our value. It's all there. There are numbers out there that already exist. And I think some more stuff is actually going to really quantify that soon and qualify and qualify that very soon. And we'll really see. Right. Let me me ask you this. And this is kind of along those same lines. This week, you posted a couple of videos. And that's and after the second one, that's what I reached out to you. Like, we got to get her on about the ESPN uh, contract, the the emails that you sent back and forth with ESPN. Go back and uh, give us the, give us the quick version of it, of the original okay. video, the follow up video, and how how that all transpired. Well, because a lot of things didn't make any sense to me. And I do understand that sometimes because I am a novice in this media space, it may be a legitimate reason for why I don't understand or something does not make sense. So if you tell me that, uh, well, I'm going to say not tell me, but it was put out there that ESPN and the SWAG had an exclusive exclusive deal. Okay. According to what I was told, exclusive means you got to show all the games. Am I right on that? Otherwise, it's not exclusive. You, it's you, primary. It's pri- right, primary. First first right, second rights. Right to refuse. Uh, third yeah. rights. Yes. That's correct. Okay, so, but we weren't told that. We were told that it was exclusionary. So I said, okay. I was having a hard time finding any information on my own online that say that, that says that. So I said, you know what, one day, because after that, after them tell you something, when they called me live us on Twitter, you know, that really just stuck with me because uh, I'm. it ain't about being loud, right? <laughs> but 
but it, it did stick with me so i said okay and then for for everybody in the swag to go around oh grandma the fam you finna get the swag suit and da, 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 they don't know what they doing these people are scammers and all this type of stuff you know i, I feel some kind of way about that because i know the things that uh at least my school is doing to try to support the kids and bring the university revenue so i said let me reach out to this person and surprisingly she messaged me back and y'all know what she said that it wasn't exclusionary so i mean i had to tell the truth i've been getting a lot of hate for it but i feel like that it was it needed to be said because um there are some things we've been told that just were not true and it's actually preventing us from getting the revenue that we complain about and it's it's stopping us from fixing the problems that we complain about so that like makes no sense to me at all so if i got a, a down the hill look I, i'll say one of the things and, and i noticed after some conversations i've had grambling pay i'm gonna say is pay attention to grambling i, I know for a fact there were schools in the slack that have seen what Grambling has done over the last three to four months and what's come in. And they are calling HBCU League Pass Plus, Urban Edge Network. Oh, I know. Trying trying to figure out, hey, how can we get down? It's like, well, you know, uh, originally, and what, what I, look, I, I, I don't know. I, people got to understand. I don't even want to stop. Ah, look, Graham, just pay attention to Grambling. I, I'm so upset at Florida A&M because <laughs> of stuff that's going on over there. We could be sitting in a good shape. Instead, we got coaches. We had two coaches that had resigned, lost an equipment manager. I mean, it's it's like all hell. Athletic department is in shambles. And if we don't pay attention I, well, real no, soon. I won't say in shambles. I won't say it's, it's in shambles. But it, it's being directly – affected by decisions that came from way up high on the higher ups and it's it has affected dollars it has affected orders which could have lead to revenue but anyway that all that Um, to be said go ahead go ahead lashana what are you gonna add i just wanna i just wanna make sure i'm being clear about my thought process about exclusionary primary secondary rights and all this stuff can y'all explain it to make sure i understand because i did see a comment about it does not have to show all the games so i just wanted to uh clarify what what the correct response should be it's it's about terminology though and i'll let brian chime Mm -hmm. in on that you're right exclusive exclusion or exclusive means everything you have it and no one else can do it but most contracts, uh, you have different levels. Primary, right. which means you have first rights. You get to go in. Here are the games. You get to go in and pick your games. Those, 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 are, those are primary rights. I Secondary may be wrong, rights. but the – go ahead, Drew. Finish up. Go ahead. Sorry. I was saying, and, it really, and you really have to get into Dr. Cavill's uh, uh, sports lab because he can really break it down. But then you have secondary rights. And then you had the third rights, which are the the tertiary. Tertiary. Rights. Yes. You know. The, go ahead. This is this is what I, when you think of exclusionary, think of this the the deal because I, I'm trying to go back in my head and try to think: Has anybody else broadcast a Notre Dame football home game other than NBC? 
I don't think not the past twenty been. years. No. no, that's your that's your example of exclusionary rights. What NBC and Notre Dame has to broadcast home football games, uh, that is your example. Nobody else gets into Notre Dame football stadium except NBC, right? But what you have in other places is you have look the the fact that the the SWAC this year you've got games that are going to be on ESPN. Let's, let's, use S- that are- let's use the SEC. That's probably what everybody could relate to. No, no, I'm I'm not. I'm tired <laughs> of us using the SEC but, 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 because but it, 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 we have it, to move it, it, away it, from that. We have to move away what, from that. No, it, it is a bad experience. It, it's bad, Drew, because it we can because what ends up happening is people end up saying, "Oh, we we should be like that." We ain't like the SEC. We ain't got SEC okay. money. We don't have presidents that act like the SEC presidents do. We we don't have the television dollars that the SEC has. We only have athletic directors that think like SEC folks. So we need to stop. The only thing, the only thing that the SEC and the SWAC has is black boys that run across the field and put on helmets. That's the only thing that the SEC and the SWAC have in common, and they're in the same footprint states. That's it. I'm sorry. Everything else, we need to move off of that example about the SWAC and the SEC. So all that said. I'm just saying that we've got games that appear on the SWAC. I'm sorry, I, I, that just came out because I don't nah. want to use. I don't want to use the SEC. I know it's the easy, it's the easy low hanging fruit, but God dog man, we 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 setting everybody up for failure by continuing to use them as the example. Um, the SWAC has games on ESPN, right? Right. We can debate about the value and good and bad, and whether uh, the dollars that come in. But guess what? This year, they're also going to have a series of games that appear to be going on another platform, right? You'll have games that will appear probably on HBC League Pass Plus. You'll have games that appear on people's YouTube channels. I don't even know how that, but whatever. So there's listen, <laughs> listen. I, I I think I think I think my people missed it when FAMU posted about, and I put it on my page. When FAMU posted about where their games are going to be shown, it said that it was going to be, uh, I think it was HBCU Go. And then um, they said, but it would also be, it would also be shown through a broad, through a network of national, uh, something about a national network or something like that. And Mm -hmm. I think people missed that part. Because basically they're saying not only will it be on HBC Go, but like you said, Brian, YouTube TV. We're gonna so it's the the point is there's more than one way to skin a cat. All right. We have to we so stuck though. Like go ahead, Brian. <laughs> I no, you know, here here's what here's what's one of the things that I think when we talk about the dollar and value. And I heard Dr. McClellan say this to uh on when Roland Martin and he made I know he he talked to us briefly I know he talked to HBCU game that I haven't seen their video but I was watching what he talked uh when he talked to Roland Martin and he talked about the 8.4 million dollars that went to membership um the, to, to the member schools um this year was a record year no school brought no school received less than like 750,000 less than that might have been the low number the highest number went somewhere in the ballpark of $3.2 million to Jackson State. And he basically said that that money, those monies come from the resources that come from distribution, right? 
from not only the incentives, uh, but from incentives, the academic sponsorships. So there are ways that, you know, the SWAT, which right now sits as the number three conference in the FCS in terms of its distribution, its revenue distribution, and it's on its way to probably be in the top in a few years, uh, according to him. Um, and, and which are maybe even out, he says that it may even outdraw a few FBS schools, which I mean, or conferences, which if you think about some of the lower, the lower tier FBS conferences, you're probably, he's probably right. It probably will surpass in a few years, but, uh, there is money going to schools. Money is going to schools. Now you want to know exactly, go look at those budgets. Uh, when your school, when your school does those budgets, uh, and they talk to their board of directors, cause I've seen it. I've seen what FAMU estimated. And that's why when I heard 700 something thousand, I, I said, what? I said, Oh, because the number that FAMU estimated was way lower than that. But then again, they, you know, they've only been in the conference for a year. So you want you want to know sport more specific. Already eating good. What do you say? Definitely already eating better. Already good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you know, it, it is. And, it and is. this is and this has always been my thing when it comes to discuss having these discussions. Um, there's only but so much I'm gonna say being a being a play by play and color guy because um, I've been on all of these platforms except for one. So um, I'm not going to mess up my money. However, <laughs> however, uh, I think we should diversify the way we do things in the HBCU space. And what I mean by that is I think for I'm 43. So for 35 years of my life, ESPN has been the standard in which we watch certain stuff. And I think if we're not getting what we need out of it in the HBCU space, then we need to diversify where that goes. Not saying we leave them alone because that reaches where it is. But as I said on Twitter the other day and in other places, support BCSN, support HBCU League Pass Plus, support HBCU Go, support those places that we are running. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because BCSN has been doing it. Like somebody said the other day, I won't say who, the BCSN stream was better than the host stream. Wait, now, they, I'll they, let people's opinion be, be, you know, <laughs> go with that. But at the same time, don't let something be the standard when you have people that look like us running it. So so go support those people because I promise, I promise those eyeballs, we get more eyeballs on what we're doing as a people. I promise the money comes. Also, we don't have to do things like other folks are doing it. Um, our culture, our way of doing things. I remember last year. Why didn't you show the bands on the games? You know why? They had to cut to an advertising spot. They don't know anything about what we do. They don't know that, that folks look, looking forward to halftime. You cutting out an entire base of people. No. So we don't get any of it. None of it. So how about some people that understand the structure in which we operate in our spaces, in our games and whatever, and have us format <laughs> formatted in the ways that we do things and still get the advertising dollars. 
because you have more eyes on your TVs or, or, you know, whatever platform it is. So that is what I'm in agreement with more than anything is that don't shut out someone just because make it to where you are supporting your own that supports, you know, the schools that have been supporting us for hundreds of years. Don't just say, okay, this is the standard and that's it. No, diversify what we're doing. Hey, you know, speaking of the uh, four letter network, Hey y'all, they may be the four letter network, multi billion, multi billion dollar corporation, and they still have audio issues doing a live broadcast too. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, and and, and this is the thing. Let me piggyback on that for a second. Yeah, we're we, we, we getting these. You know these these part threes. You know is, is showing on a different platform. Guess who's still doing the production for some of these? The schools. Oh wow! <laughs> like you think yeah. it, uh, it's some it's some so stories we can we can we can delve into. Okay, but okay. okay. Support BCSN. <laughs> support support. That's what you support. <laughs> Jamie, so, you you you. you. Go ahead, Lysander. Go ahead. Give you the last word, Lysander. Okay, because y'all got a four letter word network too, right? So mm-hmm. I'm not understanding if the school is still having to do the heavy lifting. We aren't getting any ad revenue money from our game, you know, to keep it short. Then what? What is the? What is the? What is the hurdle that is making this so difficult? I I, I do not get it. Reluctance to change. We're gonna have to bring her back on another show, and yeah, we, got, we, we can't wait, <laughs> to wait this long this we'll time. Table it, yeah. We have to table it, uh, full show, yeah. and we didn't even get a chance to bring up the uh, the Dion uh, viral moment from uh, from Swag right. Media Day, but uh, we will we will talk about that here uh, a little bit later on in the show. So, uh, Lashanda, let people know how they can find you, where they can follow you, and where they can watch you. All right, I'm on YouTube. Instagram and Twitter a yard talk HBCU. Well said, well said. Um, Lashanda, I always appreciate you. We, we definitely got to do a part two to this, so uh, keep your keep your schedule open for next Sunday, please. Um, yeah, I know uh, I dropped it. Then y'all tell me. So. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's take a break. Come back. We've got Chris Ferguson who's going to join us. We're going to pivot over to the CIAA, find out how media day went over in uh, the CIAA. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at mybcsn1, the number one, on Facebook instagram and twitter at my bcsn1 this is the bcsn pod zone your place for the news views and conversations about all things related to hbcu athletics here are the bcsn sports rap dr cavill's inside the hbcu sports lab Knights of the Roundtable, The Pre-Game Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon, so now she's free to become... 
Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language, and she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Nope. Nope. Want him? Ooh, I like him. Quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head and shoulder scalp shield, never not working. Are you ready? It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th. Blurds, nerds, and geeks from across the universe will converge on the capital city to see celebrity guests such as The Last Dragon, Tybok, Megan Tandy, and voice actor Dave Fenoy. Hey, how you doing? I'm voice actor Dave Fenoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know I'm going to be there and I want to meet you at the Urban NerdCon Gaming and Cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you. So join us by visiting TheUrbanNerdCon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. TheUrbanNerdCon.net. Our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian, AD, Jamie Walker, and joining us now from D2Football.com, it's Chris Ferguson, and uh, we're going to get into talking a little bit about the CIAA, who had their media day a day before the SWAT. Chris, it's good to see you. It's ready for football season. How you doing, my friend? Doing all right. Glad to see y'all, too, and uh, it's been a while except for AD. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, Chris, let me ask this. Does the CIAA, when they have their media day one day before the SWAC, and you know it feels like the SWAC sucks all the air out of the HBCU diaspora, you know, D- does anybody in the CIAA say, man, do we want to have our media day like the day before? I mean, should we try to do it? earlier in the week or maybe the same week as the CI as the SIC. Has anybody ever said anything about that or, or what what's the 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 vibe or the takeaway um on, on that? No, I mean it's been pretty like they have it on a very predictable schedule. Um it's like the third the third Wednesday every July every year. So you know, I think with all the all this buzz in the SWAT, maybe, but I mean, it's on a very predictable schedule, so I don't think anybody wants to tinker with it. Yeah, um, very predict. Yeah, very predictable format. Um, so as we move into the CIAA, uh, of course, you know, look, we kind of thought everything was going to be kind of static. And then all of a sudden, the, the the big the big the big news dropped 
uh, back in, I guess, what was it now, May? Late April, May, that uh, Damon Wilson's leaving Bowie State. And I got to imagine the happiest people on earth had to be people in Fayetteville, North Carolina, (laughs) because it was like, yo, without Bowie State, you all are probably talking about us over the last three seasons because they've had just as dominant uh, a, a record in, in the in the division or in the CIAA, maybe maybe close to, uh, as Bowie, but they have not been able to get over the hump. What's your takeaway on Bowie, Fayetteville State? What's going to change in the CIAA for this year? And if we lost, uh, okay, hold on. Here we go. All right, go go ahead, uh, Chris. Uh, well, I, I would say that one of the biggest things to come out of the CIAA was Coach Wilson leaving. But I, I think there's big, a bigger issue than Fayetteville State, and that would be um, the CIAA North. Because the North has been thwarted. And several, like several teams, have been vying for that spot over the last what four seasons they've been playing out of five years. You know, Virginia Union, Virginia State have been right there on their heels, and they just can't seem to get by. And Chowan's played spoiler, but then they can't really get it together against the other two teams. So, I mean, Fayetteville State's one one issue because that's the championship game, and they've kind of carried the banner in the South, but. You know, the North is such a dogfight and has been over the last several years that there's always that one contender that you think that if they get over the hump, they can sweep the rest of the North and, and get into the championship game. And, and Bowie's just kind of turn them away at the door every time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, speaking of the North, I'm, you know, I think a lot of people, I, I mean, you know, with all the departures uh, that Bowie had, including coaching, and players, uh, are, are people just on auto repeat or on auto redial in terms of voting Bowie State, the number one team of predicted order? I saw the predicted order of finish, which, of course, is Bowie 1, Fayetteville 2, Virginia Union 3, Shaw 4. But I got I to gotta feel like, Chris, that's, that's one of those things where, okay, is that is that an auto like your finger? You know how your finger just auto. You're used to doing something for so long, you just automatically do it. And it's like, okay, I'm just gonna put Bowie here as one. I explain explain the predicted order of finish. And I don't know. Are you one of those people that falls in that falls in that category? Well, you know, it's the coaches that are voting, right? And and they do show a lot of respect to whoever the previous champion is, unless there was something just catastrophic happening. And and in this particular case, you know, they said Bowie is still the team to beat, um, at least at this point in the season. I think the other thing, though, is that, like, once you get past the, the champion and the runner-up, that there's just – you just never know what you're going to get from three on down. You know, for example, Lincoln, who got a first-place vote in, in the, in the uh, coaches' poll, um, you know, they've been historically, like, last – and they were not voted dead last this this year or this, you know, this preseason. So, I mean, that three through 12, I think three last year was like Chowan and and, and they're not three this year. And, and so the coaches kind of just leave, you know, the championship game 
contenders from from the prior um, year there. I think it's just important to watch it. Who's at four, four through six? That's really where I watch every every single year. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, jump in there, Jamie. Absolutely. Um, speaking of that four through six, just judging with the with Maurice Flowers jumping into, um, you know, his alma mater, John C. Smith. Do you think they can finally, you know, kind of steer the ship and play some good football down there in Charlotte? You know, if there's one person who could do it, it's going to be him. Um, because not only is he a, a graduate of JCSU, I always have called uh, Mo Flowers over the years the quarterback whisperer. And that's really because if you think about who he's had when he's been like an offensive coordinator, um, who he's coached over the years and how well those offenses have done, it's all started with that quarterback being able to throw the ball around, whether it was a Shaw with like James Stallings back in like 2012 or you know, 14, 15, he, he was a, he was defense and the offensive coordinator at Fayetteville State, you know, before he jumped over to Fort Valley. So, you know, it, it, you're just looking at a situation where the, where John C. Smith has struggled um, is that quarterback. And a lot of that has been since Keon Wallace has left, like, what, 2015, 2016. And, and they just really haven't been able to get any consistency at that level. And I also think that he understands that, a lot of the struggles with John C. Smith's offense has also been their offensive line. It's just been really just really just poor performance over the last few years and 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 they just really can't get any consistency on offense. So if there's somebody who can get it done, who can actually kind of raise their profile quite a bit, I think it's them. I think the only concern I have is that, you know, North Carolina I've always said that North Carolina is a place where uh, there's a lot of talent dilution, and you're really looking very hard to find those diamonds in the rough. And he's focusing very heavily on the Charlotte market. So, you know, how much talent can you get out of that area? As much as you really want to recruit that area, how much talent can you really siphon out of there where you have all these other schools, even the Centrals, the A&Ts, um, you know, at the FCS level, going to Charlotte to get talent as well. Now, from the, the standpoint of of Shaw, for example, um, them being in involved in that, in that division and battling Fayetteville State, do you finally think they can get over the hump? They, you know, that game was close last year. And, and so yeah. it was one of those things that the weather, of course, was a factor, if I'm not mistaken. And so can they overtake Fayetteville State? Are, are they right there, or have they lost too much to even be in contention? Well, that's going to be hard. That's going to be hard. I mean, Shaw has been kind of knocking on that door, too, against Fayetteville, because if they can get over that, they, they're kind of like the ones that can get to the championship game. And I don't really think they've lost a lot. I, I think they're actually going to be a little bit stronger at running back than – than what Fable State is this year. You got Sidney Gibbs, you got Andre Brandon, and and Fields that are in that backfield. That's a pretty solid punch. Um, and and Fayetteville State's you know lost quite a bit at the running back position. So they've got that going for them. They've got some some key players in in on defense as well. That's coming back. The offensive line is 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 there as well. I think it's currently a question at 
a little bit of a question at quarterback, but, you know, they had a sophomore quarterback who came in partway through the year uh, and kind of jump-started the offense, and he seemed to be doing pretty well. And he, he's really going to have to take a ne- another step in order to really um, challenge uh, and, and get them over the hump. So I, I do think it, it's going it, to – they're very even, um, but Fayetteville State has so much returning, and even when you think they're down, even when they lose players, you know, two years ago they lost Stephen Green, and, and now they're losing – um, so some of those other very productive running backs. Um, um, so even then you think they're down, they always have this trick up their sleeve that, that kind of defies all of us and defies the odds. So if I'm still a bad man right now, it's still going to be on Fayetteville State. Hmm. Um, do you like uh, – I was looking at Fayetteville State's non-conference or just their schedule in general um, because I feel like it's one of those things that's kind of – I don't know if hinder is the right word, but I, but I I feel like the fact that they 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 haven't had to play a very strong division, but then their non conference hasn't been uh, particularly strong, if I'm saying that right. But uh, UNC Pembroke, Wingate, and I'm trying to see where else that's they it. go outside of that. Or, that's it. Wait, yeah, um, you only get two. Yeah, you only get two this year. Wait a minute. Mm. So they moved to an eight. They moved to an eight-game conference yeah. schedule. Five, five divisions. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, a couple of years ago, they decided to make that change, and so 2022 is the first year that the conference has moved from a three, a three games out of conference schedule to two games out of conference. Well, I, you know what? I felt like we're bearing the lead there. I'm, I'm glad you you brought that up because I I I felt like we should have led with that first, but. I, the fact that you have a championship game, right? So that already takes away a game. Now you're, I feel like you're really limiting everybody's chances of making the playoffs outside of the team who gets the automatic bid or preferred qualifier. That's not automatic in division two. I'm sorry. Preferred. So, I mean, okay. Preferred qualifier. Thank you. I forgot. These terminologies from one division (laughs) to the next. I know, I know you and Chris are like, because you, you can notice. win the conference and still, and still not and still not, and still not get in. I.e., Miles uh, was about three years ago. Okay, so point said. I, why? Why? Why do this? What? What's the? You guys talk to Chris, Drew. You guys talk to coaches. Are do the coaches like this change to the eight game? I mean, what's the vibe from from what you've heard? I, I would say that. Um quite a few of the schools are already doing an eight-game schedule, and they had a conference team on the schedule that was designated as a non-conference contest. I mean, here's the issue with Division Two in particular. Um, there are a lot of schools that won't play CIAA teams unless they travel. That's number one. Mm-hmm. So if they're, if they're not – and, I mean, and the guarantee – if there's a guarantee in Division Two, it's maybe like – Forty, fifty thousand dollars max. It's probably not enough to offset the cost of a very far game. Um, the other thing is that uh, the Division Two model for playoffs favors in in region. So it's one of those things. That's why you see places like Virginia Union going to Valdosta State in the return, like the back end of a home and home arrangement. You know, so. 
it's been a big criticism, like at the national level, like when I talk to other columnists at d2football.com is that, you know, you have these other conferences that are, that they, they do in silo schedule. So they don't even play uh, out of conference teams and they'll get two or three teams into the playoffs. The MIAA, which is like North, Northwest Missouri is probably the big one. And, and then yeah. Northern Sun, uh, Minnesota Mankato is probably the, the, the one of the better known uh, uh, schools in that conference. And, and they, and, and so, you know, Bob East for plays the 10, uh, to, 10 of their 11, 10 of the 11 in the Mountain East or uh, conference game. Yeah, and and the and the Peace Act is in Super Region One. So I mean, you know, for us to to shrink down to two out of conference teams is not necessarily a, a a bad thing. Playing three, it was hard for schools to get somebody on the schedule, and they were already doing somewhat of a let's just get another team in the conference to play. So I, I think it's gonna make coaches um, um, scheduling is a lot easier now. And if you look at the out-of-conference teams, I mean, there's still a lot of exciting matchups in, in the two games. Yeah, the, what, uh, what are some of those? Uh, the out-of-conference schedule is, is not nothing to sneeze at. What are some of those games that, that you spotlighted, Chris, when you look at that non-conference schedule? And essentially, we're talking week one and two, obviously, uh, September 3rd and September 10th. The 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 – so one of them that you you've already highlighted one of them that's uh, UNC Pembroke going to Fable State. You know, Fable State has not beaten UNC Pembroke at all. You know, Winston State has played Pembroke. Shaw has played Pembroke and has beaten them at least once. But Fable State has not gotten over that hump. So that's definitely a game to really um, pay attention to. Uh, in week two, um, there's uh, two CIAA teams going. Um, to Michigan, to the Great Lakes uh, uh, Conference, Inter- the GLIC is, is the acronym. So Shaw plays Wayne State, Detroit, um, and Wayne State's kind of the middle of the road. And and uh, Bowie State is going on the back end of a home-and-home home to Saginaw, Saginaw Valley. So, I mean, that's really going to be some very unique matchups. And, and you know, both of those are not even – in region games for either of those teams, but I think that just highlights the struggle that you know some of the schools have with trying to find uh, a, a decent uh, a contest. You know, Wingate is going to be playing um, Fable, Fable State and Shaw. Shaw's week one. Uh, FSU is in week two, so that's another um, uh, one to highlight as well. And then I, I, I mentioned earlier. Uh, Virginia Union, Valdosta State, week two, uh, and then Virginia State, Lenore Ryan, week one. Um, so, you know, those are all games that are going to have some, you know, some real strength behind them. You know, and the conference, as a conference, those are the games that we really need to win or have a very, very good showing in. We've seen what's happening in other conferences when they match up and how they promote it. I mean, just imagine the hype between – the CIAA and the SIC. I mean, come on now. I mean, there's there's got to be some rivalries or some matchups in there. I mean, two historic conferences, probably some games that we haven't seen teams play in years that those teams need to play. And so I, I don't know, Chris, I feel like I'm standing out there on an island now with this eight-game schedule by myself waving this flag. I mean, I, I need some I need some support, I need some help to make this thing happen. What? 
Well, you know, I, mean, I mean, it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm going to piggyback off that, though, because I remember when we were talking about what teams were going to make the playoffs and who they needed to play to get in. And one of the factors that came up was, you know, the CIAA and the SIAC playing each other and kind of knocking each other out of playoff contention. So my question is, have you heard anything from the coaches from a scheduling standpoint that they prefer this kind of schedule so that they can possibly get more teams into the playoffs? I haven't heard anything about doing like a cross, you know, interconference type deal. I, I, what I've heard from coaches is that they want to play the best. And that's not necessarily a slight on um, the SIEC. It's more of they want a measuring stick to see kind of where they are um, versus, you know, on a national scale, because, you know, the, the, the way that Bowie State has performed over the last, you know, three seasons, the way that Winston State performed at the early parts of the 2010s, that's the measuring stick that they're trying to use. And the other thing, though, is that coaches as a whole, they don't want their teams so beat up going into conference play. So there's there's this issue where, you know, like Virginia Union, they play VOL, you know, the first game. Now, whether that was because they really couldn't find an opponent or they wanted to, you know, just get some reps in against a different uh, – right. <laughs> I mean, right. You know, whether it's that, I, I really don't know. I haven't really asked, you know, like Coach Parker or anybody. But, you know, it, it repeatedly on the record, you know, there are a lot of teams that have just said – a lot of coaches have said, I want to see how we stack up against – you know, some of these other schools outside of AA and, and really the SIEC. So um, that's kind of where you kind of see that kind of going. Um, there are some games between the two conferences. I mean, Allen's playing a couple. And, and for example, I think Benedict and Elizabeth City are playing week one. So mm-hmm. th- there are some 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 um, games between the two conferences, but it's just not on a big scale. Chris, let me ask you this. I'm going to take Brian's idea, but I'm going to flip it a little bit. You know you're allowed 11 games on the Division II level. Now, we know we got our championship games, SIAC, CIAA. But last year, I would have loved to have seen a possible Virginia Union and Savannah State play that at that week 11 also because Savannah State had a legitimate shot to still get to the playoffs but needed another maybe another game to show the committee something uh obviously we thought it might have been Shaw which would have been a good game regionally but Shaw Shaw laid the egg against uh St. All the week before but would that be <laughs> would that be something that uh could possibly happen because a lot of times we all know the second best team in a conference is on the same side as the best team and they lost to their best team and it may not necessarily be the the, the team from the other side in the championship game now last year it was uh well, it was kind of like that in the SIAC. Now in the CIAA, it wasn't like that. You probably did have the best, the best two teams. Uh, well, at least according to the rankings in, in the CIAA, with Fayetteville coming in at number ten and Bowie was number 
three or two going into that last game. They were number two because we thought they were going to get to number one yeah. with the loss. So they were number two. Uh, now, SIC, totally different. Miles was out of the race, and Albany State was number three, I believe, going into the last week. But you understand where I'm going with that question, Chris. Oh, yeah. So if there's a, a hill for me to die on, it is that the CIAA needs to move to an 11-game schedule. And there's a model out there for that. The PSAC does something where they uh, have a championship game in week 11 and everybody else does a crossover and play somebody else in the um, in the other division. So you right. end up having not three crossover games before. Um, so there, there's a model for that. You know, it could be where we, we return back to having um, – three non-conference games and slide the schedule down to accommodate week 11 and insert in, you know, uh, a CIAA uh, SIC challenge uh, and do it that way. We do it in week 11. There's so many ways to kind of pitch this. And and also, my if I were to tweak it, play the game on a Thursday night, right? Don't do it on that Friday. That way the championship game is still a solo game. Right, right. So and you don't harm, you know, attendance. So, you know, do something like that where, the, you know, you can kind of maximize viewership. But, you know, yeah, all these other conferences that have 11 games give them an edge over the SIC and the CIAA when it comes to playoffs. So, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, and we've seen some of these teams get together when they do need uh, that 11th game you know, i.e. Tuskegee, Virginia State, um, back in 2016. So anything that could be done, especially in today's environment, where it just highlights playing, you know, and raising the profile of the HBCU conference, I'm all for. And I think that, you know, a CFAA SIEC challenge is definitely the way to go. I think the only, one of the biggest impediments is travel. I I really do think that, you know, the, the dollars that have to go to travel, um, is going to is is a hurdle, and then you know with the eleventh game, you know you're adding even more expense there too. So, you know, CIAA remember is still a basketball league, so you know you could be taking dollars away from something like that in order to put into football, and I, I just don't know what the temperature is for something like that. I certainly will have to ask around and, and see. True that, true that. Hey, Chris, let's uh, let me get you out of here with this. Uh, your predicted order, uh, north, south. Who do you have? Who's your who's your team to come out of each division? And then maybe uh, you may have already given it, but uh, your your dark horse team to pay attention to from each division. I won't ask you to go so far so, to say who's going to win it all because it's real early. Well, it's, and it's still actually kind of early to see who's going to truly win the division. So I'm going to withhold on that one for now because rosters haven't come out and I've started looking at those a little bit closer. But but I will leave you with this. I, I do have a couple of dark horses that I'm watching very closely. Um, in their CIAA South, it, it will be Shaw. I don't really think that they're that dark of a horse. It's a bit obvious. Um, but I am really watching Johnson C. Smith because – you know, I do think that they're going to be putting in some pieces in place um, to kind of they, – they've always been kind of like this upset alert type of team. One, There's one game a year where they kind of, you know, just come out there and, 
and, and they've been as close as Shaw to upset uh, Fayetteville State. The, it, early on in last 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 season, they were up, um, you know, in the first quarter, and, and, and both teams had scored like twice. And before that, you know, they almost upset Fayetteville State. It was like 35, 34, something like that. So they, they are my dark horse to see what kind of noise they can make in the Southern Division. In the Northern Division, my dark horse is Virginia State because, uh, yes, they lost Reggie Barlow, but then they're bringing in, um, you know, somebody who's who can be very offensive-minded. Um, and Henry Frazier, uh, they've got uh, – they're going to be revamping the quarterback – uh, position. It seems like there's a, quite a few of those quarterbacks from last season are, are no longer there, is my understanding. Um, and they've got, you know, they've got a, a, a pretty stable um, uh, running back core. Um, you look at Kimo Clark, you look at uh, Darius Hagens, you know, who, who people just can't seem to tackle very well. Upton Bailey, you know, quite a few of those guys are, are there. And, um, and it's been really interesting to see kind of what they do uh, this year. But, yeah, they will be sort of my dark horse. And Virginia State's getting new turf. So, I mean, look, if that doesn't excite you, <laughs> come on now. Come on. I, I, I'm all for it. More field turf. Hey, don't forget about Livingstone. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah don't forget about Livingstone, too. What, yeah. what are we calling that a Livingstone has? Uh, the, uh, the the Smurf turf? Or is it – I mean, that's already kind of been used, but what else is there? <laughs> The blue MF turf. <laughs> 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 well, there you go, Drew. <laughs> well said. Okay. Um, you can find Chris on Twitter at D2KFerg, F E R G. And of course, on D2Football.com is where you can find him. You can also find his articles on HBCU Game Day. Chris Ferguson. Great follow, especially uh, if you want to stay up with the CIAA and especially on game day. Nobody, you almost need a separate feed for Chris on game days because nobody, nobody does in-game tweeting of CIAA football better than Chris. So uh, the man is everywhere covering everything. So always a good follow. Chris, we know we'll talk again. I appreciate you coming in and joining us tonight, as always. And uh, let's have a good, fun season in the CIAA, all right? Yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be a wild and crazy one this year. All right. We'll be back in just a moment. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap, and we'll be back in just a moment. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Round Table, The Pre-Game Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time.
Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. Quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. It's like a loot machine. That's a pretty tight spot. Watch this. Of course your view parks itself. That's so you. It's just up here on the right. Of course you know where we're going. That's so you. Kinda got a sixth sense. And a head-up display. They're here. Hit the field, warm up. You brought all these players in your Buick? Yeah. So you. It is. There's a Buick that fits your life. Because at the heart of every Buick SUV is you. You see, Head & Shoulders has a scalp shield technology protects against flakes, even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working! I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield. Never not working. Are you ready? It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th through the 31st. Blurds, nerds, and geeks from across the universe will converge on the capital city to see celebrity guests such as The Last Dragon, Tybok, Megan Tandy, and voice actor Dave Fenoy. Hey, how you doing? I'm voice actor Dave Fenoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know I'm going to be there and I want to meet you at the Urban NerdCon Gaming and Cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you. So join us by visiting TheUrbanNerdCon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. TheUrbanNerdCon.net. Our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. I like I like Florida, but I don't want to play that game in Jacksonville. Who's gonna be there? How many fans do Bethune have? Average? Not very many. Why are we playing in the NFL stadium? I like we right now we have so much momentum in HBCU, so much momentum in the swipe. We need to keep that momentum. Not playing in a, a place that it, it could look far and thin with fans. I like sellouts. I like pack houses. That's what we're used to. That's what we're accustomed to at Jackson State. I I know I I know I can listen to that all day. Shots fired. If I had a little gun soundboard, I would go pew 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 because shots fired. 
uh, by one Coach Dion Sanders, Coach Prime, uh, at the Slack Media Day. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Welcome back to the BCSN uh, Sports Wrap. Uh, Brian, A.D., Jamie Walker, Charles Edmond, uh, Alcorn State Sports Radio. Uh, so, Charles, that was, I consider that our viral moment of the uh, SWAC Media Day. You know, we, we, we talked about before, at the beginning of our broadcast who would supply the viral moment of the week. And once again, he serves it up on a platter for us. And I mean, I, there's all kinds of things in that soundbite that I could analyze, uh, beginning with the, the shot at how many people does Bethune-Cookman have that go to games, the Jacksonville news reporter who, who dropped the, I don't know, not many, really, not many. Uh, <laughs> Charles, your, your thoughts as you hear that, uh, hopefully you get it, you did hear it. I did hear it. Um, you know, we, we've had this, and I'll just make a comparison. We've had this situation here at Alcorn where there are people who felt like if the game is bigger than what our stadium can hold, we should move it. For example, Jackson State. Years ago, there was talk about maybe we should play the game instead of in Lorman. You should play it in Jackson where it's 60,000 people. Well, Jackson's not – our home stadium, it's Jack Spinks Marino Casim Stadium, is our home stadium. So for Coach Sanders to, I mean, I understand what he's saying in terms of playing in an NFL stadium where it's cavernous. I think that's the right word. Um, but if Bethune Cookman chooses to move that game to Jacksonville, that is their choice. Um, I think they feel like there's more people that would be there, perhaps. Um, it's a risk because how many people from, and you all know this better than me being in Florida. I, I, for me, I don't have an issue with it myself. I think what he's saying is he wants to see that facility down there in Daytona. And I was there last year. He wants to see it packed. He feels like if it's an NFL stadium, very few people are going to show up. It's going to be spaced out. I don't have a problem with it, but it's not his call to make. Um, it's That's Bethune-Cookman's call to make. And if they decide they want to play it at the Dolphin Stadium or if they want to play it in Tampa, wherever they want to play it, that's their decision. So, I mean, everybody has their opinion. I don't have a problem with it. If that's where Bethune wants to play, so be it. I'm going to throw yes. something out there for, uh, along that line, Charles. I actually looked at the schedule for that particular weekend. Fabu comes to Grambling. Edward Waters is at Jamie School, A&T, that particular weekend. Savannah is in Atlanta playing Clark. The next closest HBCU football game to Jacksonville is Albany State Benedict in Albany, Georgia. So if if you're an HBCU football fan, you just want to see HBCU football, that's the only game for 150-mile radius right there. So maybe... Maybe I'm giving uh, Bethune too much credit for seeing that, but that's something that I saw because I was wondering how much competition there will be in that area for the HBCU football fan. Let's also make people aware, Drew. 
that that weekend, Charles, just so you know, and a lot of people don't know this, but and, and that's understandable, that particular weekend in Daytona Beach is the largest weekend for second largest weekend for motorcyclists. It's Biketoberfest in Daytona Beach that weekend. Hotel prices in that area, it's like homecoming. They shoot up like $400. So there are bikes all over the place in Daytona Beach that particular weekend. So it makes, to me, when I heard it and then heard it was Biketoberfest, made perfect sense. Move the game to Jacksonville where it's only uh, an hour up the road from your fan base. You get a lot of people. All that, though. You get a lot of people from Daytona Beach, or uh, from Jacksonville, that are uh, Bethune Cookman fans. You've got a lot of people that that entire north, uh, I guess you'd say that northeast corner of the state, along with uh, the Georgia area, all ninety-five. That's that's Bethune. That's that's Bethune's backyard. Um, and so to think that Bethune Cookman, who will bring upwards of 25 to 30,000 people to the Florida Classic every year to think that they would not go to Jacksonville and watch the quote-unquote best team in the SWAC is ludicrous. Now, I get it. If Jackson State doesn't want to travel to beautiful Jacksonville, Florida, which is probably a lot prettier than Jackson, Mississippi, no offense to Mississippi folks, but you you can't compare Jacksonville, Florida to Jackson, Mississippi. I'm sorry. It you know take a get out of the get out of Jackson get in the, get in some sun go on the beach whatever you need to do it's your only it's your second trip to Florida so maybe that's a concern for people coming out of Jackson Mississippi but for that region if the 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 the, the asterisk to all this if the city of Jacksonville will get behind this game and promote it and I don't know if they if that solely resp- uh, is responsible for Bethune Cookman and their national alumni but. That's a big game. That's the first time they get Coach Deion Sanders, a Florida guy. Florida State, by the way, heavy base in Jacksonville. You don't think they would show up to that game? So I, I maintain, I think that's a work. I told you that on Twitter, Jamie, you saw me. I think it's Coach Prime with a old-school wrestling work trying to tell people, oh, we don't want to go there. No one will show up. And what do you do? You get people to show up. All of a sudden now, because you dissed the game, you dissed, you disrespected Bethune-Cookman, you disrespected Jacksonville, the people of Florida, the Daytona Beach fans, Bethune-Cookman fans. You're disrespecting as many people as you can. I think it's a work. I don't know. Anybody, you guys tell me I'm wrong, but uh, that's just my thought. What's the, what's the, uh, date, uh, what's the date of that game? Hold up. Hold up, Charles, quick, quick before I let you get What's the date of that game again, everybody? October 15th, you said. Okay. Clemson is at Florida State that day, just just uh, for full disclosure, which is Dion argument. Go ahead, Charles. I'm just going to make a comparison. Last year, Jackson State and Coach Sanders and all that went to Mississippi Valley, okay? You can make the case for Mississippi Valley fans that why you can play the game at Rice-Totten Stadium, which only seats 12,000 or whatever it is, they can make the case, well, why don't you play that game in Jackson where it seats 60,000? Well, they play the game right there at Rice Cotton Stadium. So if you're talking about revenue, you're talking about making all the money, parking, and maybe, you know, we don't know. I don't know. Maybe you guys would know this better than me, but 
I do know that when you're playing a game at home, you've got all the, the money coming to your place. You keep it all. Maybe it's been told internally that maybe that facility can't hold that game because of, like you said, bike fest and everything else going on. That could be a possibility. No, I don't know. You guys maybe know that more than me. Maybe it was told, look, you know, Jackson's going to bring maybe 20,000, 25,000 fans, somewhere in there. So if you look at that, that game could easily draw 40 plus to a stadium that seats. I don't know how much it seats. So it could very well be. About 65, I believe. The Cookman officials were told, look, this game may be too big for what we can handle and everything else that's going on in the area. Maybe you could look at perhaps, not, not demanding it, but maybe perhaps look at a bigger venue that can possibly hold the game. And Jail, as you said, I don't know how far it was from Daytona to Jacksonville. It's an hour and a half. It does make sense. An hour and a half up the road in a bigger venue. So we don't know the inside story, the backstory behind that. There's obviously a reason for Bethune Cookman to take their own home game where they make all the money and revenue and parking, most of it anyway, um, to move it to a bigger venue. There's a reason for it. I like to know what that is because I don't think they would just jump and do it if you know if there was no reason to. Because for me, I've seen this here in Mississippi where we play Jackson State and Southern at our place. There's talk of well, Alcorn State Sphinx can't hold the game. They we put in portable bleach. We do what we have to do, and the stadium is absolutely crammed. But yet we had the game. So let's you know. I like to know what the what the inside story is. We may know that. We may know that. But to me, that's kind of what I'm feeling. And maybe there was, you know, maybe a little priding of moving the game because maybe the stadium and everything that's around it can't handle it because of the enormity potentially of this game. Well, yeah, I, I will. I will be trying to investigate and find out. This may be the one of the few times I will be pro BCU. You, you'll never see me be pro BCU <laughs> on, on this matter. On this matter, I'm pro BCU one hundred percent. Jamie, what do you got for Charles? Um, Charles, I, I know that um, you know, of course you're down there in the reservation and 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 just know everything that's going on. How is Coach McNair's attitude towards the season so far? What kind of vibe do you get from it? Oh man, Coach McNair is about as intense to me as it can possibly be. Now he's relaxed a little bit now that his players are on campus and in working out and conditioning right now. But in the spring, he was about as focused as I can tell because of the fact that we didn't have a great season. We had a winning season, but it wasn't a great season. So he's he's from the spring, he was determined and focused to get this thing back to where it needs to be. His attitude right now is, hey, let's let's get fall camp started. Uh, We got another week of summer school and summer conditioning. They have one day off between the end of the summer session and fall camp, one day. He told me that the other day at media day. I didn't know that. I thought they might have a weekend or something. They got one day. So you might as well say the start of the season is here for the Braves. But I, you know, but I think for Fred McNair, it's kind of a different scenario this year. You know, we normally we have our quarterback right there on the roster, ready to go, but that's not the case. We don't know. It's gonna, is it going to be Aaron Allen, the LaTeX transfer? We don't know. That's the biggest question. And also the defense, new defensive staff, Cedric Thomas back for the second time as defensive coordinator. So there's some anxious times, some anxious moments. But, you know, obviously the voters feel like Coach McNair can make this thing work. We're picked to finish second in, in the conference, uh, in the division. So I think, you know, a lot of people believe in head coach Fred McNair. He's comfortable right now. 
Um, he was a little intense, a little uptight in the spring because people were still ticked off about what happened or didn't happen last season. But I think he's good, and I think he realizes there's a lot of work to do, and he's just ready to get his team in camp and ready to get it going. Hey, Charles, and, and let me I ask was, you this. Oh, oh, go ahead, Jamie. I'm sorry. I know you had a follow-up. Oh, oh, no problem. No problem. Uh, I, I was able to talk to at Media Days, both um, C.J. Bowler and K.J. Kinsler, and, and just what their leadership qualities um, were and going into the season. They asked them kind of about their, you know, their individual goals, but they really seem to be team-focused. Uh, you talked about the signal caller um, or the, the quarterback position in general, and you named one. What does he bring to the table that kind of Felix Harper um, – you know, you know what he brought, and you know what he did for that program. Um, what will this signal caller or others to the table, and do you think it'll be anything different that they've done in the past offensively? Well, right now, I mean, the quarterback competition, of course, in coach speak is wide open. But it's I think it's a two-man race at this point. You have Aaron Allen. We've talked about him, the Louisiana Tech transfer. Big kid, big, off, big arm. He can push the ball down the field. Then you have Markavian Quinn, who's more of the dual threat quarterback. And if you look at Alcorn in the past with the Felix Harpers, the Noah Johnsons of the world, the Lenores Footmans, and even the John Gibbs, those were kind of more of the mobile quarterback, the, the run, the read option type quarterbacks that could beat you with their feet as well as their arm. But Aaron Allen is more of the pocket passer. If you looked at his videos, which I have, he stands in that pocket. He's going to push the ball down the field. So, you know, the scheme is definitely going to be different in terms of you know, if Aaron Allen is a starter, those plays have to develop where he's got to get the ball out quick because he's not the most mobile guy. Markavian Quinn is. So that's what's going to make this an interesting quarterback competition because you're going to, if Aaron Allen is the starter, you're going to have a quarterback that's different from the ones that we've had over the last four, five, six years. And that could bring a different dynamic to this quarterback position. All right. Now, Charles, you've, how many SWAC media days have you done in your career? Because I know you've done a number of them. Uh, talk about the growth of the SWAC media day from those first couple ones you did uh, up up to the one that we just did uh, together last week, That number one. And then number two, give me your comments on the award show fashion that we had at the SWAC media day. Well, I'm going to start with the second part. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, I think, and it's probably not going to happen, but I would suggest that uh, the SWAC Media Day has a red carpet event tied to it. I mean, just, I mean, the fashion show was as big as the press conference. If you look at Coach Sanders and Shadur and Hunter and what everybody was wearing duly with the, with, with, with the suits. Why not have uh, a red uh, carpet? Uh, what about what, about what Grambling had on? Your alma mater. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't, I never, I didn't see Hugh Jackson at first, but, you know, I did see the, the pictures and uh, that's way out there. That's all I'll say on that. Way out there. Way out there. Uh, field right, field center, field, whatever. And I'm a Gramlinite, so, you know, I, I support it, but, hey, it's way out there. But, I mean, the fashion, the fashion show almost dominated media day, and that's great. I mean, I think that's that's something in 36 years I've been a part of this league, that's never been the case. We talk about the fashion, and that could be the growing trend. Who knows? I mean, maybe I'll bring that up to Andrew Roberts and Commissioner McClellan to see if they can throw a little red carpet in there with some photo ops. But, uh, you know, going back to media days, you know, it's 
I and I, I don't mean to toot my own horn. I remember media day was in one room. They had 10 tables for press row. And I was the only one at a table. I think Carlos mm. Brown oh, wow. eventually did something there. And a guy by the name of Dr. Michael Prince of the Open Mic Broadcast Network, he did a little something. Right. That was about it as far as radio row. So it, that obviously has expanded. Now you've got three rooms, four rooms, in which you know Media Day is in now. And I compare this year to the movie Jaws. You all remember the movie Jaws when they finally saw the shark, he popped out of the water. What did Roy Schneider say? You're going to need a bigger boat. I think we're going to need bigger <laughs> you know, we're gonna need bigger, We're going to need more rooms. I'll say that. Maybe not a bigger one, but more. Because I mean, there were a couple of couple of places there I didn't even know existed in terms of just where people were at what times. I mean, we just thought it was your room, my room, and another. But you know, they're all over the place. But it just shows you how how Swag Media Day has grown. You know, all the podcasters, you guys, Radio Row, and. ESPN three doing the wall to wall. I mean, it's just wonderful. I mean, just where it is. I never thought ten years ago that uh, that we would be in this position. And I thought maybe is you know is media day dying in the swack. You know, we used to have we used to have what was called the swack uh, the swack coaches tour, in which they would go to Houston, Jackson, Mississippi, I think Montgomery, Alabama. I mean, where the coaches would just travel to those places and have one room where they had fans and a few media. Wow. But man, this thing has grown. A thousand percent. And I think next year it's going to be even better and bigger. I, I like the I like the sound of that. Uh, I don't know how you could pull that off. Somebody would want some sponsorship money to make that happen this day and age. But uh, the Cricket you know. Wireless Red Carpet uh, Swack Media Day Red Carpet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, yeah. I I just think, yeah, the the idea about the fashion, though, that that is something that was very apparent. And I I remember, Drew, that was one of the things you and I kind of talked about the next day after Swag Media Day was like, yo, these kids were these kids really invested in LERP. And those were not ninety nine dollar suits. That's all I'm gonna say. No. Well, yeah. Well, I I wasn't even looking at the suits. I mean, I'm from everything <laughs> else was, you know, guys were 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 chained up, blinged up, looking good, and I was like, you know, um, you could have asked easily. Well, who are you wearing, and what are you wearing, and it would have just it would have been a natural fit. So, like you said, yeah, it, it's it's time to move to that event or to that style, you know, just, and, and I'm sure they'd eat it up. The, the kids would, would eat it up. Um, holy, uh, I, by the way, Charles, I, I was one of the few, uh, among the nine BCSN panelists. I was one of three that picked Alcorn state to win the West. So, um, you know, I, uh, surprisingly, were you the other one, Drew, you and, uh, I know I did. It was three of us beat you. Yeah. And... Jamie, you pick Southern, correct? Mm-hmm. I yeah. did. Uh, what, I what, was, uh, what what was what in terms of predictions and that order of finish? I don't know. What are your thoughts, Charles, on East West? Who comes out? And did the actual media, or I, I don't know. I guess it's the coaches and ads, the SWAC. Uh, version of uh, the prediction did that surprise you at all? Um, I, I let me see here. I think I had it. Uh, well, in the East, Jackson State 
Not surprised there. Usually in the SWAC, usually the team that won the division last year is going to be picked to finish first, Florida and m second. Um, I, I look at the rest of the field and the way they voted. Valley being picked sixth, um, I'm definitely not for that. I, I was kind of going back and forth with Valley third, fourth, more so third until probably the last two weeks. I think in talking with Coach Dancy the other day, they're going to surprise some people. They're going to ruin some people's day and ruin some people's season, in my opinion, because they what they have coming back, if they just find a healthy and serviceable quarterback with Dancy being a defensive-minded coach, they got Jelani Eason coming back. They got one of the top JUCO quarterbacks in the state of Mississippi on their roster. I think Valley's going to ruin some people's seasons and, and their day. Um, Alabama State, you know, I like Eddie Robinson Jr. I talked with him for the first time the other day. I just think they got a lot of work to do. Even though their roster looks okay, they have an Auburn transfer quarterback. I would push Bama State sixth. Um, I would have Jackson, FAMU. Then I would I would put AM at third. I would put them third because of all the transfers that they have. I would push Valley fourth. Then I would push Bethune Cookman fifth. They have Jalen Jones, a former Jackson State quarterback, on their roster that could help them. And then Valley six in in the eastern division of course for me you know i'm the braves number one and you know i i was interesting to see and i made that i told this to ad drew the other day before the before the polls came out i think the dually factor was real you know mm-hmm. some voters yeah. might pick southern because of dually or some might pick prairie view in spite of dually if, if you know what I'm talking about. So obviously mm. they pick Southern, I think because of Dooley, their defense is much improved. It's got to get a quarterback in there. They got a Juco coming in. So obviously they picked Dooley who won the West last year, previous head coach. He's at Southern. So that success follows him there. Uh, the Braves, obviously a lot of confidence in Fred McNair, you know, and what the Braves can do finishing second over Preview, a team that won a division last year and having Preview third. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Um, UAPB has the most veteran quarterback, you know, in, in the conference. And I think they yeah. might be a surprise at, I would have pushed them to four with body at Texas Southern. I think they're going to be improved. I have them at fifth and Grambling's my alma mater. I love them. And I think you guys, a lot of you guys had Grambling pushed down in your poll. They're my alma mater. I love them, but I think Hugh Jackson's got some work to do there. Um, I would have Grambling bringing up the rear in six. That's that's my prediction. But, you know, I mean, you got SIDs and coaches voting on, on the SWAC side of the poll. So they obviously see some different type of dynamics. Hey, Charles, let me ask you this. Sleeper team on both sides. We can actually kind of go around the horn on this. Your sleeper team on both sides of the uh, conference. Um, my sleeper team, I think, is going to be Bethune-Cookman. You know, they didn't play football. There was a time in which, you know, they had a long layoff. And when I saw the schedule, when I saw the schedule last year, and I didn't know when we were playing Bethune until immediately last year, and I saw we were playing them in November and the time, I said, "Uh uh-oh, that could be a trap game for sure. And sure enough, we blew a 17-point lead and lost that game. Uh, So Bethune-Cookman, to me, I think is going to be the surprise team in the East. And then on the Western side, you're talking with Doc Gamble. I knew him because he was the running backs coach at Alcorn. You know, we we were down 26 to 7 at the half against UAPB last year in Pine Bluff and came back and won 39-38. Pine Bluff was, uh, to me, and I asked Coach Gamble this the other day, 
you think that game took all the air out of your sails. And he didn't say it, but his body language said, yeah, I think we weren't really the same team. I think they're about as determined with a veteran fifth-year quarterback who's been there since uh, Skylar Perry since 2018. I think Pine Bluff could be the surprise team in the West to me. What about you, Jay? Well, just in relation to to just sleeper teams. My sleeper teams, I, I said um, at media day, Grambling, um, if they could get the signal caller position uh, solidified, and only because they had a decent defense last year, and I think, um, but continuity has always been um, the dark horse thing with me. Uh, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in continuity. If you had, you know, you can bring in all these new pieces, but how fast can you get them to jail and, and work together? Um, so in the West Grambling, um, you got a veteran coach, um, who spent time. He, he's unlike, you know, other coaches coming from the NFL into the HBCU ranks that year at Tennessee state, he kind of, you know, understood the lay of the land. So I think he's a little more advanced than you, you would think. Um, so I think if they can get the quarterback position solidified, I think they could be a sleeper, um, even though you see, you know, it's the G. In the East, I would say Valley as well, because I think you're talking about – I've always said Vincent Danzi was, was a superstar in relation to coaching. I just think he's one of those – he reminds me of Buddy Pugh in the sense of you're talking about what you don't have but I'm going to make it work regardless. So I think they are going to slip up on some people. So I think, I think they, they would be my dark horse. Uh, regardless of record, I think they're going to make some teams worry. So, yeah, I, I would say those, those two squads. For, for me, uh, in the West, I've got Texas Southern. Texas Southern kind of reminds me of Alabama A&M during that spring 21 season. They get – Anything on the defensive side of the ball with the number two uh, scoring offense coming back in the swag this year, uh, Andrew Body with another season uh, under his belt, I think Texas Southern can really uh, get up there and even possibly win the whole thing on the west side. On the east side, I've said it, Brian wants to pull my alumni card, but but the – but do cook me as as a as a rattler. We have seen Same. when Bethune has been in the football business what they can do with them beating us nine years in a row, and all of those nine years in contention for the MEAC title. Every year it came down to they needed to beat us and hope that somebody else lost. Uh, so that they can win the BAC, or in a couple of those years, they, you know, the BAC believes in split titles. You know, I think they were one of those teams who, one of the four teams that won the BAC one of those particular years. So, Bethune, back after all, almost a two year layoff, not being able to begin until August of last year, now they've had a full, full cycle. They've had spring practice, they've had some conditioning, they're going into fall camp. I think Bethune's going to be back in the football business this year, and that's my surprise team on the east side, or my sleeper team on the east side. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, talk about me. 
Ah, uh, that's all right. That's all right, Drew. I, I talked about you enough uh, during media day. I, I told you, man. You, you, I told you. I, I, there's one day when I'm rooting for uh, Bethune. I'm all about Bethune on one day. That's October 15th, and, and leading up to that, I want them to bring 50,000 Wildcats. I want to hear that that band playing. Uh, bam, 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 bam. Wildcats, let's go! Um, um, I, I want, I want that ringing in everybody's ear as they head back to Jackson, Mississippi, and because it can be annoying when it gets going, it can be annoying as heck. Trust me. Trust but us, so we know. I, we know. Yes, we know. So, well, I'm hoping. I am hoping that. Uh, look, I, I want a good atmosphere, and I hope the sonic boom shows up. I hope the Jackson State and however many fans show up because. Right, the J, the Prince and J sets. I hope the whole thing comes because that's why Bethune is moving that game. That is a uh, that's a big opportunity for them in the swag. It's the uh, I don't think any of the other bands came to uh, Allcorn last year or uh, Bethune Cookman. You know, I, did did uh, did Allcorn's band come Charles last year? No. They didn't come. Uh, I know Alabama A and M's didn't come. It was raining. It was wet as a dog. Uh, as 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 a dog, it rained cats, dogs, and and squirrels on that day uh, when Alabama A and M came out there. So I know the band didn't come for that one. Um, I'm trying to think who else came to uh, Bethune Cookman last year. I don't think Southern came. I don't think uh, Grambling came. Uh, but but needless to say. This is this is a, a good opportunity. They played one of the Texas teams last year. I can't remember. Uh, and I think it was. I think it was. Uh, it might have been Prairie View. It might have okay. been Prairie View. Uh, but but they don't think they brought their band either. So what I'm saying is that's a big venue, big opportunity. And I hope the city of Jacksonville. I'm gonna make some calls and find out. I'm, I want the city of Jacksonville to get behind that game, and and I just want that clip. Uh, from Coach Prime to play until Kingdom Come. But anyway, my uh, my uh, sleeper, based on my metric, my matrix rather, I've got Alabama State finishing five and three. Uh, I have them winning four of their last five conference games. Okay, uh, and that includes the Magic City Classic. Uh, and, and I think uh, they end up in a second place tie with Jackson State. And so I'm I'm thinking that's where Alabama State finishes up. Uh, over on the West, I picked Alcorn, and I don't I really when I did the I don't I, that's not supposed to be a sleeper, but 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 I think it 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 has a sleeper feel to it because there's such popularity right now for Grant uh, for Southern and Prairie View, you know, and it really, I'm really surprised about the Southern thing because I mean. Anyway, look, there's just a lot of there's a lot of new faces, and I think a lot of that factors into all of four this. NFL Number, head coaches, right? But but I'm just, I'm talking the numbers of players. I mean, Grambling has 50 new players. I know Southern has about 20 new players. Um, Alabama A and M has at least almost a dozen. The whole plus the whole defense may do, the whole starting eleven may be new on defense. The whole defense may be new, right? So yeah, they invaded the portal. You know, <laughs> how, 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 school, how schools have reshaped themselves 
with the portal, I think is a is a is a fascinating story, um, you know that that uh, needs to be followed. So, yeah, that that's that's kind of my I don't know. Like I said I really can't call all corner sleepers, so I'm I'm going to stick to one sleeper and really say it's Alabama State, given their predicted order of conference wins. So um, that's. Um, I want to throw that out there. Look, hey, let, let's wrap it up with this. Let me go through a quick over and under for you guys. All right, I'm gonna. This is something we're we're working on a game. We're working on a contest that we're gonna put out there. We're gonna we're gonna call it over or under. Real simple, nothing cute and fancy, but it's over or under conference wins in the swag. So uh, the way it's played, it's it's based on a half. So you're going to hear me say, for example, the school, the line may be six and a half. So basically, do you think they'll win six or more or six or fewer or seven or more? So follow me here. Drew, I think you have you played this game. Did we do this last week? No, but I I know, but I'll. I heard. Okay, I so I you, I want you to listen to my lines. Listen to the lines, Drew, and you tell me whether you. I think I did this on the ONG. That's where. So this is. Uh, yes. I've, I've had a chance to refresh the numbers here. All right, so I'll just go around the horn here. I'll call the school. I'll put the line, and you tell me whether it's over or under. All right, we're gonna start uh, with Florida A and M, six and a half. Uh, that is, Jamie, a, is this conference or total? This is conference only. Conference only. Okay, the line for FAMU, six and a half. Jamie? Over. Charles? Under. Just threw me for a loop there. Sorry. Call me. I'm stuck now. Can I explain that a little bit? Because I'd love I to hear you. Know. I'd love to hear you explain okay. that. Well, I, I again, I didn't really see FAMU's schedule until media day. Okay, they don't open okay. up with Jackson State. They open up with North Carolina. That game again, right remember, there. This is how conference. You, this is conference game. Conference well, game. Saying, my, my my point. My point is, you open up with your. You open up by playing up. How you come out of that game could very well determine how it happens the rest of the way. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the reason why I okay. say that, and I, I thought they opened up with Jackson, but they don't. So how you come out of that game, if they that game, as they say, broke up, under. If they come out of that game, none the worse for wear, over. But right now, I'm, I'm and I love Willie Simmons, but I think that's a tough way to start with Jackson right behind Carolina. I'm going to say under. Drew? Over. All right, Jackson State, also six and a half is the number. Conference games, do they go over or under six and a half? Jamie? Over. Charles? Under. They got the last three games on the road at Texas Southern, at Alabama A&M and Mobile, Alcorn State University. Seven on the road. Coach Sanders was not happy about that when I talked to him at media day. We're you know, losing a lot of money by not playing at home. That road is not easy in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Ooh. Uh, Drew. I'm also going under, and I'm going to give you they, – they will lose two of these three games, in my opinion. Bethune-Cookman, Alabama A&M, Alcorn State. I've got them – I see them dropping two of those three games. And you still picked him to finish first, so 
I, I'm, I'm I know. taking note of that. I, I, actually, actually uh, I'll explain that. It was supposed to be Fab, you finishing first, but. Oh, boy, but he, here we he, go. He got the graphic. He got the graphic. He got the graphic. No, he got the graphic role, so I had to run with it on live when we were live and just go with it. Yeah, okay. He leave me out there. He left me out there as the lone wolf. <laughs> I got fab. That's all right. I got you, you know, No, 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 no. You don't, get your, you don't get your family card back. You don't get your family hey, card back. This is my show. I can, do it. My I can do it on this show. Uh, uh, Alabama A&M, five and a half. Jamie, over or under, five and a half conference. Mm. I'm going to go under. Charles. I'm going to go over. Um, no glass. They got a lot of D1 transfers, uh, transfer portal. They got a mix in there. I think a lot of people are sleeping on a and I'm going to go over. Drew. Under. No glass. Got to find an identity on defense. Under. Mm. All right. Um, Bethune-Cookman, four and a half is the line. Four and a half over or under? Four and a half. Jamie? Under. Charles? Oh, man. Um, And I said they're much improved. I'm going to (laughs) go over. Drew? Sticking to that over. I, I am going over. I think I think okay. Bethune is going to be in the race come November. Okay, uh, Alabama State three point five, three and a half, three and a half conference wins over or under three and a half. Jamie, I'm gonna go over. Charles, under. J- Jamie said it best. Continuity is key. It's going to be a t- I had them, in my opinion. I think they're going to finish in last under. You Oh, well, you got Alabama State finishing last. Okay, wow. Um, uh, Drew. Under. Okay, last one in the east. Mississippi Valley State, three and a half. Three and a half. Over, under, three and a half. Jamie? I am going over. Charles? Over. Drew. You said three and a half. <laughs> 3.5. Okay. They get Alcorn, Bethune, Alabama A&M, and Prairie View A&M at home. I give them two of those. Whoo! That's going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> I give them Alabama State. Question is, do I get them Southern, FAMU, or Jackson State on the road? Can't do it. I can't do it. I want to, but I can't. I want to give that extra game. I, I just, I can't, I can't see number four. I see three. You say, I don't okay. see four. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Good, good. Uh, okay. Moving over to the West. And again, this is a, a upcoming game over under conference wins in the swag be looking for this new contest uh we're gonna be i'm gonna we're gonna work out a way how to drop this out and uh we want to try to get as many people into this as possible we're gonna figure out a way how to give away some prizes uh for the uh person or persons who finish with the best uh with, with the most correct answers so here we go to start the west Alcorn state 
Um, 6.5. I'm setting it at 6.5. Let's start with Charles. Charles, what do you got? Over well, that, under. That's my team. Do I have to make a pick? You do have to make a pick. <laughs> well, I, well, I, <laughs> he calls the games. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to look at my job, guys. If, if I lose my okay, job, okay. if I get it wrong, I'm going to come work for okay. the Black College Sports Network. How about that? <laughs> all right. We'll always. Yeah, so like I hope your house after. paid off. That's all I'm going to say. Six and a half. That means seven and one. Or eight no. Or eight no. We got to go to Southern. We got to go to Grambling. We got to go to Texas. Uh, Prairie, we got to go to Prairie View. We go to Prairie View and you go to Valley. Um, and we got to go to Valley. Heck, what what the heck? I'm going to say over. There you go. That's the, that's the only answer you can give. Come on now, Jamie. <laughs> over under. Whew. I'm going to go under. Okay. That's uh, tough. Drew. Yeah, I'm I'm listening to that that schedule. Ooh. I'm going under and I'm gonna throw my carrot at the end of this segment. Okay. Uh preview AM. Five and a half. Over under five and a half wins. Charles. Under. I talked to Coach McDowell at Media Day. I think they got a little work to do. Under. Okay. Jamie. Under. Uh, Drew. Ditto. Under. Oh, <laughs> three unders. Wow. Okay. Uh, so I see nobody here was part of that group who voted, uh, who gave Prairie View five first place votes. Uh, uh, Southern, five and a half. Five and a half. Over, under, five and a half. Charles? Over. Um, Jamie? Over. Drew. Under. Their crossover games are Jackson State, FAMU, and Valley. That means that that, uh, two of them are on the road. That means they have to sweep through the other side. Under. I love this. Oh, I think we got ourselves a hit game show here. Uh, Texas Southern, three and a half. Half, over, under, three and a half. Charles? Over. Body's much improved. That defense, over. Jamie? Definitely over. Uh, Drew? Over. Prairie View, Alabama State. Jackson State, Grambling at home. They get three of those. All I need is one more. Interesting. All right, Grambling State, three and a half. Grambling State, three and a half. Charles, your alma mater. What do you got? Um, Grambling's my alma mater. I love you, Grambling. Hugh, I was told Hugh Jackson's going to have six quarterbacks on the roster. We talked about continuity. <laughs> I'm gonna say kind of under. Six. I, I, I'm gonna say under. They got a lot of work to do, and I know Hugh Jackson and his history, quarterback guru, all that. They got good defense, but they got to find a quarterback under. Court. We got to start evaluating these 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 
quarterback guru tags that people have been getting. You know, I'm just anyway. Let me get off of that for a second. Uh, Jamie, <laughs> over under, <laughs> over under three and a half. Hmm. I'm gonna say over. That was my dark horse pick. So yeah, to be improved. So I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. Stick with him, uh, Drew. Under. Under. Okay. Last school in the West, UAPB 3.5. Uh, Charles? Well, they were my they were my sleeper team. You know, I, I, I like Doc Gamble, most veteran quarterback, Skylar Perry. I'm going to say over. I think they're determined to, to get back to where they were in the spring. Over. Mm. Jamie? I'm going to say under. Drew. Two conference home games. What the hell did UAPB do to somebody at the SWAC office? Under. All right. So, again, now, I can I throw my carrot out, Brian? Yes. Go ahead, quickly. I think five and three wins the West. I think there's going to be double parity on the West. Five and three. Yeah. Um, those numbers, courtesy of our BCSN predicted total wins overall and conference, which we will share a little bit later on in the month. Not going. We, we got. We got content. We got to fill content. So, in one of these shows upcoming, we will drop out our predicted order, uh, our predicted total wins overall and conference. It'll be controversial, no doubt, but uh, it's all computer-based, so we'll see what happens. You know, it's not like the computers have been wrong or right before, but uh, I think the over-under game will be a smash hit because uh, I, I can already see some interesting discussions on just conference games, not even talking overall wins. You know, we're just talking conference games within the SWAT, and I think, uh, I think it opens up for uh, – some good discussions going forward. Um, All right. Uh, We got to get ready to get out of here. Charles, any final thoughts uh, that you want to share regarding media day or uh, um, any upcoming uh, projects uh, that that you want to plug? Well, we're going to start our Braves preview starting this week. I'm going to talk with our offensive coordinator, Elliot Ratton this week and next week, our, Defensive coordinator Cedric Thomas, who his second tour of duty as defensive coordinator. So everyone think a lot of people think the Braves are the surprise team in the West. We'll get a little sneak peek at the, what we can expect. I have our depth chart right here, so I have a chance to really you know, dive into that a little bit and see what the Braves are all about. And then I hope everybody gets a chance to to check it out real quickly. Though you know we haven't talked about the non-conference schedule leading up to play. That's I think that's going to be a bigger story early in the season. You got Alcorn Stephen F. Austin. You got Southern LSU week two, uh, Southern Florida Memorial week one. You got a lot of early non-conference games that could shape these rosters as we get deep into conference play. So to me, that's just something to keep an eye on. Great point. Great point. Um, all of Charles's interviews from uh, Media Day, we're going to have those up on our BCSN Pod Zone, part of his Brave Talk with Charles Edmonds. Uh, that's the feature that we that we put up on our podcast network. So <clears throat> you'll be able to go on and listen to all of Charles's one-on-one conversations 
with uh, with the head coaches uh, at SWAC Media Day. So be looking for those. I'll be working on those tonight, trying to get those uploaded into the system. And uh, so they should be there Monday, Tuesday at the latest is when you'll see those uh, those files. All right. And uh, Jamie, uh, what about you, sir? What what do we got working on or uh, let people know how they can follow you? I appreciate you coming on and, and uh, spending the time with us today. Oh, man, no problem. I enjoy myself as always. You can follow me on Twitter at Sport Voice JW. Um, and I'll be, hey, on someone's podcast at some point. I'm that ultimate utility man. So you you just, hey, continue to follow me. Um, I'll also be at uh, MEAC Media Day on Friday. So I'll be able to, okay. you know, talk with you again about what they're doing up there in the MEAC. You know, that that will be interesting to talk about after after sort of the week that was and people will still probably be talking about SWAT these first couple of days of this week. And then then that, by the end of the week, we'll get a chance to to kind of turn our attention towards the MEAC and find out what those schools are doing over there. Uh, Drew, any final words, comments, thoughts that you want to share? Uh, make sure you go to uh, to the my BCSN on YouTube. We have broken up some of the stuff from SWAC Media Day. Uh, we have a special ONG section on the YouTube now. Uh, everything from the that has been tagged ONG Strike Zone, which is obviously the Florida A&M content. Uh, Dr. Cavill's content is on there in a special in a in a separate. So if you're a Dr. Cavill fan, his his content is on there. Uh, we'll be uploading Carlos's content just for the Carlos Brown show. So, uh, Jamie, I haven't got to yours yet, but I'm pulling your stuff out. So we just pulled it out by different people who were there and, uh, the sports rap stuff that Brian and I did will be, uh, up there also. So if you're a fan of any one of our particular personalities here at the black college sports network, you'll be able to go on and see what that individual person did at, swack media day and kind of follow their coverage and their style of coverage for the uh the media day right and that youtube feed is my jbn one that's my jbn one youtube.com my jbn one is where you can find that and uh we'll, we'll also work on getting those uploaded onto the the pod, uh, the pod zone to the BCSN pod zone. Hey, and that, the interview with Dr. McClellan has been separated. It is on there as a, as a solo feature. The interview that you guys did with Dr. McClellan. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll we'll get all of that uh, parsed out, and um, it, it'll be up there as well. You can, I, I think today, you know, we had a little, if you were watching our show, obviously if you're listening to our show in its entirety, that means you're on the pod zone or either you watching the replay because I know we oh, had a few hiccups. Pass plus. Well, that's what right I was going to get to. Yeah, if you were okay. watching on Facebook, if you're watching on YouTube, um, and maybe if you're watching on Twitter, there were hiccups and it just kind of went off. But if you didn't, if you had HBCU League Pass Plus, you got the whole show. So I would encourage you guys, go download HBCU League Pass Plus. You can always catch our show. Some, A lot of our shows on the network are uh, 
we'll, we'll, when we air live, we, we put it in as many places as we can so you can get it and consume it. You know, we try to be a, a, a an all we, we try to just put it out there for the people in many places as we can. So you can go to HBC League Pass Plus. You can always download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Uh, just go to your Google or Apple Play Store. My JBN, my BCSN is what you have to search for, and then you'll find the app. Uh, of course, encourage you guys, go follow the BCSN Pod Zone. Find it, like, subscribe it, give us a rating on the platform, whether you're listening to us on Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio, um, Apple Podcasts. However, wherever you are in the country, I know there's some people in Germany that are even watching and listening to the podcast on the BCSN Pod Zone. So we appreciate everyone who listens, watches our content, consumes. Uh, thank you again. Thanks for all the comments that I've seen on the various platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're still uploading and getting a lot of that stuff uh, to make it available for everybody to consume. So that's going to do it for tonight's show. I want to thank LaShanda Love for coming in and joining us earlier, as well as Chris Ferguson. Thank you, Charles Edmond, and, of course, Jamie Walker for coming in and joining us. And that's going to do it for, for tonight's show. For my co-host, uh, A.D. Drew, I'm Brian Fulford. You guys, <laughs> take care of yourselves. Be well. Be safe. Peace out. Ahalo. But you're my piece of your heart.